right, hello and welcome to Totem Talks, season two, episode five, six. Six, so that sounds correct. Five, six, seven, eight. Plus. Either way, it's a spe- you know, I forgot to write it down this week, but either way, we know <laughs> it's going to be a special episode. Look, once we actually remember the title of the episode, I think we're done then. Yeah, that's that's. What once we remember what number we're on, it's we've gone too far. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, That's welcome to Totem here. Talks, or welcome back. I hope you're all returning guests or bringing in your new mm-hmm. friends, all that fun stuff. Um, what do we do, Nick? What do we do? We do music stuff, We right? do, and that was my name. You did a good job of introducing me. I'm I Nick. did. And you are who? Well, I introduced you, right? Oh, so. well, then you must be Pat. Yeah, there and you go. And then, uh, as we mentioned, this is a very special episode, not just because of our artists, but because of our uh, our guest host today is the one and only Ed Packer, the founder of the original Low Totem, the band. So Woo! We're That's glad true. to have Ed here with us today. Back in the day. Thanks for having me, fellas. Excited for this. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's good to have you on. And it's also exciting because Ed's here to talk with us about like a pretty crazy slate of artists uh, today. We're going to be opening things up, talking about the Tedeschi Trucks Band. We're moving right along to Fallout Boy, and we're going to wrap things up with the Eagles. So we've got a really big um, day ahead of us. Go Birds! I believe, it's yeah, just, go birds. I believe it's just Eagles. Yeah, but you have to refer to. I can't no. say. Just say. Eagles. I mean, it's stylized as Eagles, but when it's written, people always say the Eagles. Incorrectly. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> did, did you want to introduce the band or something? No, I'm just messing with you. But I will. Uh, I will say, hopefully, you guys are enjoying uh, checking out Totem Talks, uh, especially as we move into season two. And uh, if you guys are liking what you're hearing, please be sure to uh, give us some likes and reviews on Apple Podcasts or, or wherever just you, you get know, your podcast. yeah, whatever you get your podcast, whatever options you have to like us. Or just follow us on social media. Low underscore totem is our Instagram. Use the hashtag totem talks to let us know what you're thinking. Give us some fresh ideas for some episodes. Some like pitting against each other's that you want to see. Absolutely. Some fun competitions. We're very flexible with our schedule. Yeah, we're it's, we're I've very rigidly, flexible in general. Yes. I've well, I mean, <laughs> I've was doing yoga for a long time. That's true. Um, That's true. But uh, I have was it transcendental off. yoga? Isn't that I, a thing? Is that a thing? Was I think it was hot yoga? It was hot yoga. It, yeah, might it have was been. definitely yeah. hot yoga. But it was yoga with Adrian, not a sponsor. <laughs> definitely not, <laughs> not a, sponsor. a sponsor. Although we would love Adrian. Yeah, if to Adrian sponsor wants us, to sponsor us but, or come on an episode, yeah, of course we'd we'd be happy to have her. Uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'll uh, I'll start us off talking about the Tedeschi Trucks Band. Um, Who are they? Yeah, so the Tedeschi Trucks Band, they're an American blues and blues rock group. They uh, formed in 2010, and they're led by married couples Susan Tedeschi and Derek Trucks. That name sounds familiar, it, and it, it should does. sound familiar to our audience. It does. Uh, so we're going over three of their albums, as we normally do. Their first album, which is Revelator, came out in 2011. Uh, we're following that up with Made Up Mind, which came out in 2013. And then we're closing out with Signs, which came out in 2019. So uh, that's uh, that's the plan. Yeah. Uh, Ed, as the guest of honor, do you want to maybe talk about Revelator first? Yeah. Uh, just throwing them right to the yeah, wall. Just, yeah, I love it. Exactly. So uh, I said it earlier um, off, off the air, but the instrumentals of this band, there are truly no weak links. Um, listening to it, it was like enjoyable with the instrumentals, but personally, just like a personal preference, female vocals for me are just kind of like they're hit or miss. And for Tedeschi Trucks, it was it was kind of a miss. It's not saying she has a bad voice. I don't think anyone could say that. Yeah, I mean, her voice was good, great, however you want to say it. But for me personally, it was kind of, I felt it sounded kind of like elevator music-ish. Um, really? And, and it was more in the sense of... Uh, 
it was very laid back. I felt like her vocals were kind of laid back, the blues sound. Uh, and I don't know if you guys can agree with this or not, but just with the ease of her like transitions into phrases, mm-hmm. I actually kind of like heard a little bit of like Alan Stone in there. Interesting. Okay, I mean, uh, there's there's similar similarity in yeah. the style. Yeah, Definitely so similarity. it was like, stylistically, yeah. Yeah. Sure. So like as I was listening to it, um, I can't think of any of like specifics of like the of the words but there was areas where it was like just the ease of transition into the verse into the chorus or anything where it's just kind of like wow like i kind of heard a little bit of like alan stone in that just in the sure. style i get that um but yeah uh honestly the best song in my opinion that mm-hmm. i really enjoyed was the first song of the album which was come see yeah, about me that's a great one um and for me it was just the uh, the tone of the guitar, like Derek mm-hmm. Trucks, is world class. Absolutely, um, just world class in what he does, and the tone of his guitar. Uh, as you're listening to it, it really sounded to me like John Mayery. I definitely get what you're. I think there's a lot of similar influences. I mean, the main difference being, of course, Derek is much more famous as a slide guitarist, whereas John plays standard more often. Um, but they have so many similar influences, and, right. and you can really hear like the style and the emotion that both of them bring is is very similar. I would yeah, say. and uh, so like talking about like the guitar tone of it, um, you hear stuff, you hear stuff, and it's like you can definitely hear the tone of in certain songs like the Almond Brothers, which is oh, yeah. what, what Derek yeah. Trucks has yeah. plays for now. Right, and there, Ed, you've inadvertently set off the six degrees of totem talks alarm, which I hope well, I remember well, the right button. Well. Yeah, let's find out. It's this one. Yes, excellent. So, of course, Derek Trucks is nephew of Butch Trucks, the original drummer for the Allman Brothers Band. And we even discussed Derek a little bit in our Allman Brothers episode because he was in the band officially for their final studio album. Yes. Yeah, along with Warren Haynes of Government Mule. Both fantastic. Oh, should I... I don't need to push the button. You don't have to push the button again. That's fine. Okay. But Uh, save it for later. I've got more. Do it again. Do it again. I want to hear it. I'll do it again. I'm going to do it again. (laughs) Um, It's a great button. (laughs) So... Uh, just in the style of guitar, I was hearing a lot of similarities between Derek Trucks and John Mayer. Um, with the tone, I was, so there's a guitar player, Nick, we've discussed him Mm -hmm. way back in the past. His name's Matt Man McDaniel. Okay. Um, he played with Drake White. He's now touring with Brent Cobb. Um, just kind of a country style guitar, a lot of rock, but their tone, um, and it's like, yeah. And this guy, Matt McDaniel, he's very, like, he's very in tune with his tone. Sure. Um, very specific like my my cab needs to be set up this Mm. way because it just sounds that much better sure um so listening to this album i was just like that's all i could hear is like i could picture this guy playing yeah and for those of you listening at home ed also plays guitar which is why that's something that he was was focused on specifically right Um, and i'll tell you i'm actually really glad that ed came in talking about Derek trucks because i'm gonna go next next yeah please you know uh I came into the album wanting to talk about Derek Trucks. Okay. Because Tedeschi Trucks Band, I knew Derek Trucks from when we sure, did Allman right. Brothers, from listening to him. And I was going to say, and I've played the Derek Truck or the Tedeschi right. Trucks Band for you like 75 yeah, times while listen. we were down in the basement hanging Nick, out. But you, you, need to understand, that. you need to understand something. And the audience needs to understand yeah. this too. Nick will just play music and then, like, as we're like playing a game or something, and like rapidly tell me who it is and think I'm going to remember that. Yeah, there's probably <laughs> a little bit too much information coming at you. <laughs> so, like, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I'm glad I didn't, though, because I got to really experience them right. again anew. Uh, but, like I was saying, I came into this album and this band thinking I was going to be talking about Derek Trucks the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then I heard Susan Tedeschi sing, and 
I couldn't disagree with you more on this one because I, she blew me away. <laughs> yeah, oh, and I, it's, I'm it's, in the pack camp. Oh, on and, this. I, and it's not that she's bad. Like right. I think right. she's it's got just a fan- your personal yeah. taste. It's about. It, yeah, and I, I think you that. made it clear that it was that. about taste and not talent. Yeah, I totally uh, she's extremely that. talented, and yeah. the fact that this is like a power couple. Like, yeah, you yeah, have, right. you have God, a world class singer and a world class guitar player teaming up on it. It's even more incredible. And the funny thing is, it's an eleven piece band at this point too. When they put out this first record, the fact that they've got eleven people in the studio playing all sorts of different things, and they're still very solid with their yeah. And and seriously, it's it's one of those things where you really feel the the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, you feel that there's a big band backing them. It creates this much fuller sound. Yeah. But they still have ways to let kind of each individual instrument shine. Yeah. Yeah, great point. So it's never like, you know, when you think of Tedeschi and Trucks, they're both kind of bigger in their scene. Mm-hmm. You know, you, people who are listening may never have heard of them, but I promise you in their scene, oh, they're bigger. in the blues world, they're In the blues very, world. Very and they very easily could have just taken over and have it mm-hmm. been their group, but no, everybody playing gets a chance to shine and gets a chance to collaborate and work together, Yeah, and you really hear that on these albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big thing for me that I loved, besides um, Susan's vocal, which, like I said, I, mm-hmm. she Nick and I discussed this, she very easily could be the best female vocalist we've done. It's on the close, podcast. Yeah. Uh, Nick, you brought up Dolores, Dolores O'Riordan. She's the other uh, one that the jumps, potential. jumps at me as, as um, being up there. But it's close, and I still think Susan Tedeschi might win. Yeah, I totally get that. So, <laughs> which is hot. Like, seriously, I'm very picky about vocals, yeah. so high praise. Um, the thing that I loved, though, was when I heard, you know, they're a blues rock band, mm-hmm. uh, but they have so much different, they have so many different styles that they use. Yeah. Uh, throughout, um, they have like different soulful parts, different funkins involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do something with different modal techniques. Yeah, which is really interesting. Uh, <laughs> you could hear the Eastern music influence. Yeah, in some of the uh, songs particularly in, this in uh, these walls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These walls has a really nice Eastern modal, uh, totally. modal feel to it. Uh, I don't know what song exactly it is, um, but it's funny because I was listening it to it this morning again, right? And it just really stood out to me is the song started out with a sitar. That's yeah, gotta that, be these walls. That's yeah, these and, walls. And it mm-hmm. was like like you take a step back because you're like, oh my god, like this blues band is just the wider the yeah, wide array really, of instruments right. that they're mm-hmm. just like bringing to the forefront. Like, Absolutely. hey, the sitar is gonna be the lead into this song. Mm-hmm. And you would never expect that out yeah. of a blues band. Yeah. You're absolutely right. One hundred percent. Uh so my my only other thing that I wanted to say was I felt like with each like addition of instrument per song, mm-hmm. it never felt overdone. Yeah. I felt like even though they were giving each instrument a chance to shine, sometimes that effect can be kind of fatiguing. Sure. Where it's like, all right, I'm done with this new stuff. No. <laughs> Every single time when they brought the horns in on Until You Remember, I loved it. Yeah. I loved the uh, the song Ball and Chain yep. because there was this really nice duetting harmony because the only thing that I felt like I was missing from this band, which when whenever you get a big band like this, I, you always want more than one singer. Sure, yeah, I, yeah. Me personally, at least. Mm-hmm. And I felt like they were having like some harmony in the beginning in the first couple songs, but it was mostly Susan who was just mm-hmm. killing the vocal. Right. So when they brought in uh, other people to sing in these like more duetting style yes. of vocal, I, for me that was like where it went from like an A to an A plus. Sure. On this album. Totally agree. Uh, I'll say very little because you guys have have covered a lot of this. One uh, one th- song that I would just like to to really highlight because I feel like we glossed over it a little bit. Midnight in Harlem. 
Uh, over the course of this year, I've listened to that song, song a million times. Live versions on YouTube are phenomenal. It's slowly becoming one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, it's just so well done. Yeah, so that was the single from this album. And that makes perfect sense to me. Um, it's hard to overstate how emotionally played every instrument is on this record. Like, it's very easy, even for, for maybe someone who's not a musician or really well-versed in this, to hear whether or not a singer is in there and with it in a song and giving right. emotion. But everybody, I mean, it's in the guitars, it's in the horns, it's in the keys, it's in the bass. They're they're playing with so much feel and meaning on every single one of these songs. Nobody has phoned it in for even a second. Uh, and I think that makes this album really, really special. And just a few things about Derek Trucks himself uh, that we have, haven't really had a chance to talk about before. He was very much considered a child prodigy at the guitar, uh, and he was playing his first paid performances by the time he was 11. And then for anyone who's familiar with the blues genre, one of the biggest names ever is Buddy Guy. I mean, a lot of, most people would probably have at least heard the name Buddy Guy. Derek was playing with him by the time he was 13. He was guesting with Buddy Guy at 13 years old. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he went up on stage for the Allman Brothers when he was like a young, young, young child too. Right. And uh, so it's just interesting to see that Rolling Stone, even back in 2003, and he had put out some Derek Trucks band albums at that time and had been with the Allman Brothers. They had him ranked at 81st as the greatest guitarist of all time. But by the time they redid their list in 2011, he was moved all the way up to 16th. And I think that's totally deserved. Um, yeah. Well, and as you are a guitar player yourself, I will take what you say and believe you. Yes, <laughs> as you should. Uh, so the, I'll just go right into Made Up Mind. Yeah, definitely. Um, so. Oh, you know what? I do want to say something oh, important. Yeah, uh, charting. Whether we talk about the charts and stuff. Mm-hmm. So these albums, while they haven't had a ton of commercial success. They did chart fairly well. Uh, yeah. So number four in the rock billboards and number one in the blues billboards for Revelator. Mm-hmm. And then Made Up Mind, number two in rock and number one in blues again. Yeah. Not surprised. So that's all I wanted to say. And now you can talk. Not surprised at all. So uh uh, different instrumentalists in here on this album. Some people are the same. Some people uh, have kind of moved in and out. One that I would love to just highlight very quickly is that for some of these tracks, they brought in Pino Palladino, who I've mentioned once or twice before, as one of my favorite bassists Names? of all time. Oh, ba- okay. Uh, one favorite of my, name, though. Great name. <laughs> uh, Wonderful I mean, name. Uh, as Ed kind of brought up earlier, and comparing maybe the style and feel of Derek Trucks' playing to John Mayer. Pino's very famous for being in the John Mayer trio, as well as having played with almost every legendary rock musician you can think of at some point. I, he's filled in and played on Who albums after John Entwistle passed. Like, he's been everywhere. Yeah, I, I um, hear you. I hear you for sure. And I do think we need to do, like, a nonlinear episode at some point, mm-hmm. just talking about all of the names that we have. That, yeah, we've got some great Like Pino ones. Palladino, Storm, Storm Ferguson. Ferguson. Like, yeah. there's some real bangers, man. Oh, I totally agree. Um, So, again, I will say, I just to be very succinct, this album is also phenomenal from beginning to end. Uh, everything that we've said about the first album, I think, applies here again. Uh, the songwriting is creative and interesting. Uh, the... The vocals are out of this world. The instrumentals are out of this world. Uh, a few little songs that you might want to think about highlighting. The very end, there's a song called Calling Out to You that's like a very uh, laid back, beautiful acoustic type song. And it's just really phenomenal way to wrap Tender. up. Yeah, exa- that's a great word for it. A great way to wrap up this record. And um, I was trying to think by the time I got to this point, I'm like, is anyone going to be able to like critique this band at all? Um, and the only thing I can think of, and it's not even necessarily a critique, 
would just be uh you could easily have lined these two albums up and mixed tracks back and forth and it wouldn't have made much of a difference uh, i think there's such a focus in this group on individual song crafting that there's not necessarily uh, a cohesion to each record where you can tell oh this was the first right. record this was the third record this was the you know well, but i think they pay such close attention to each song that that doesn't necessarily matter I... as much and i'm gonna change my mind about that what i just said <laughs> on the third album right because that's I when do, it changes for me i do think that is a much harder uh difference to have the more instrumentalists you have true that's yeah. been something i've always thought like the more the more you have playing the less you can tweak without it being a yeah. big change sure uh but ed why don't you go about made up mind uh yeah so again not I hate to harbor and just not huge on her vocals but just the musicianship of it like just the fact that like you said pat when you have so many pieces going on right it's kind of hard because you can't really you can't like tw- like you said you can't tweak a lot to it right um so i really liked just the wide array of instruments that they used uh, bringing in keys on songs and horns and just different sections in it it really just kind of like brought that album and nick like you said mm-hmm. you could interchange songs between these two albums and it was like you wouldn't even know the difference right yeah um yeah so this album for me i thought was a little bit a little bit more my style okay. than the first album uh but yeah it was just very jam bandy um and yeah, i and I, and I really and i really dig that about them because it, it gives you that live feel well, i think the the reason for that is to my understanding they almost always live record their songs so they get together and they do a live take and that's what goes on the record which is really really hard to do for everybody who's oh god it's so hard yeah i mean one person makes a slight mistake and And then you got to redo the whole thing yeah it's it's very difficult yeah but that's what i really did like about them and like the album it just it had that very live feel to it Mm -hmm. um and for me like i'm a big live music person right yeah you can tell that there's that chemistry that makes it makes it happen yeah so like I, I i enjoyed the album a little bit more than the first one uh and i felt like that was the reason why i mean Derek trucks like you said before is primarily like a steel guitar player and it, absolutely incredible absolutely yeah, incredible yeah. on these yeah, songs <laughs> um and just the versatility that he shows is is just like world class and yeah. that's that's what i agree as like a guitar player that's what makes it even more enjoyable because you see the versatility that somebody has totally All right, Pat, why don't you wrap us up and take us into the third? Uh, Right. So I echo a lot of what you guys are saying. Um, I think that this one is more of the same, and I don't mean that as an insult. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) the, The thing with listening to them the way we do for the podcast is we are a little bit more prone to fatiguing. Sure. With that style. When, like, you have something that's similar over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. But this album came out two years later. And any fan of this band would have been clamoring for this sound again. Oh yeah, exactly. So I don't, I don't think that that's a negative for them. Right, and there's um, a lot of difference in each individual track. It's just right. that there's not necessarily like a cohesive feel to the record. Yeah, and you know? I, I do think one of the things that actually makes it interesting to me that it sounds so similar is what you said when you first started talking about it. Mm-hmm. A lot of rollover here in yeah. instrumental in instrumentalists. So a lot of different players who are crafting 
a similar sound, and that's really interesting mm-hmm. because it's really easy to to kind of put your own stamp on something, and all of a sudden, ten people do that, and it's a different song entirely. Right. Uh, I think her voice again, just out of this world, uh, really holds up. Really, I think the thing I like the most about her voice is she has one this like contralto range, mm-hmm. but also can get kind of up in the stratosphere, and it never sounds. Like she's pushing, it never sounds tinny, it never sounds forced. Is it? Yeah, right. So, and there's grit to it without exactly. sounding like that, without like know? she's trying. Exactly. So I love that. I love that they brought in um, a couple different vocalists to balance out a little bit too. A couple different um, male singers and mm-hmm. a couple other female singers. I think as harmony behind them. Yeah, beautifully done. Um, I think if I'm gonna highlight any songs in general, I liked "Misunderstood" uh, for the, the like the funky like clavinet yeah. piano in there, and then also uh, I will say "Calling Out to You" and "The Storm." Mm-hmm. The two ending tracks were both phenomenal. I love "The Storm" for its like really building tension feel. I've mentioned that on the podcast before. I love songs where sure. it feels like they're building to something. Agreed. Right. Uh, and then that like. Like I said, that tender love song to kind of close out the album. Yeah. Um, and that's what I had to say. Uh, right. I loved it. I'm going to go into Signs. Yeah, please. So now we're in 2019. And uh, this was released on February 15th of 2019, which was the same day that the longtime keyboardist of the band, Kofi Burbridge, uh, passed, passed away. away. Yeah, very sad. Yeah, very, very sad. Um, he, was, he was, wasn't that, I think he was- He was not he, that old, Yeah, no. he was 50-something, I think. He was only 57. 57, which is not that old. No, so. not at all. However, the album itself uh, deals with loss- and stuff, uh, and stuff. <laughs> yeah, loss, stuff. No, it deals with like <laughs> uh, like sounds of loss and different things like that because not just Kofi, right. but also uh, Greg Allman had passed away and right. we talked about Derek Trucks' relationship. Mm-hmm. Butch Trucks had sadly committed suicide by right. this point. So uh, Derek had been dealing with loss before this. So it was just another blow as this album came out and it made the theme of the album, which is dealing with a lot of things about loss and dealing with loss and all of that stuff, even more powerful because now the right. the fans of this band were dealing with the loss as the album yeah. came out. Right. Um, but I think that it held up so well. Uh, we're talking another one that you know, debuted number three on the rock charts, another number one on the blues charts. Just... <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I every think... album they release just hit number one on the blues yep. charts. It's just no like, surprise. okay. I mean, the fact that it's going between genres like that yeah. and hitting as high as it is. On two right. completely different charts. And, yeah. and it does make sense, too, because we kind of mentioned in the Allman Brothers episode a while ago, like the Allman Brothers very much pulled from genres outside of right. rock and blues to try to you know add to their sound. So Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, specifically, uh, the highlights for me were the song I'm Going to Be There because of that like just beautiful gospel-like vocal from uh, from Susan. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely incredible. And, I mean, at this point, we're talking like how high on the let row in the rankings of vocalist does she get yeah she's up there she's up there it's incredible yeah um for some like like total blind spot for me too yeah and yeah, she was. I, normally when i normally at least no vocalists sure right i'll so, give you and that and she's been in stuff before on this one the one i wanted to highlight um uh, she is also a guitar player correct yes who took lead guitar on a couple of these tracks Right, and it was her first. She didn't play lead guitar at all until she was in her mid twenties, right? Because she was, uh, you know, afraid to kind of broach that territory. So what you're telling me is, I still have hope. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Even Ed could play lead exactly. guitar. Exactly. Right? But I just, I thought that was so interesting to to hear. Mm-hmm. Like, when you think of you're in a band with Derek Trucks, 
and you're playing the lead. I mean, I don't care yeah. if he is your husband. That's right. intimidating, right? Yeah. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I thought that she came in. She had this like this like wrangling feeling of the guitar. So she played on "They Don't Shine" is the one that I wanted mm-hmm. to highlight. She took the lead on that one, and just really different sound on the guitar, but still incredible. Yeah. So I, I mean, we're talking up. three for three for me personally, album to album, like absolutely still holds up uh i know you're gonna highlight some more of the differences nick yeah um the one that i wanted to say so strengthen what remains ah. i'm sorry uh, yeah, so, no, it's, it's such a great song it's I'm a great song and i don't know if you'll agree but it felt like it had this like mix of psychedelic r&b feel to it okay i see where you're that's where from. i kind of when i listened to it those are the two things that like popped into my head it was With like a, a little sandwich string piece uh yeah added in too for sure uh but that's all i yeah. had to say okay so. uh so I'll be, again, as quick as I can possibly be to not go over what you guys went on. Uh, really like that more people were getting involved in vocal lines on some of these songs, too, like you kind of said on previous albums. Uh, Walk Through This Life was, it felt like a dramatically different song, even for the Tedeschi Trucks band, and I loved it. Yeah. Uh, it was just so jazzy and new and interesting. And, of course, it featured Warren Haynes from Government Mule, and it makes so much sense that he would be back uh, No. You don't have to do the drop. Uh, it, it makes sense <laughs> that he would be back for at least one song on this album because all of these people were his heroes and friends uh, that that were lost as well. Um, I will just say the only other song that I want to touch on is the ending. Uh, at the very end, the song that they, oh, they yeah. fell out, the, uh, the guitar on it is absolutely out of this world. I mean, it's just so sincere and heartfelt all the time. And when... In my opinion, when you know that you're playing great on your guitar, you can convey all the emotions and feelings that you would give through lyrics and your singing. And I can feel exactly what all those things are without a single word. And and Derek Trucks does that in, in a way that's just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, cool. So my quick take on it is uh, I'm not. So do you know Signs High Times, like the intro track? Yeah. Who, yeah. Is, who is the male artist that's the other? I've, I've been trying to. Find it. Yeah, I'm not actually sure who because does the extra singing on because that. his vocals for me just the grit that was involved in mm-hmm. it. I'm going to use that twice now. The word grit, uh, his grit and his sound. I was like, I felt brought that that whole yeah. song together cohesively, and yeah, I thought it, it might fit be really. Mike Madison. Uh, I'm thinking it's Mike Madison, but it it was great. Uh, and speaking of grit, so I know Pat, you had talked about how it never. Susan Tedeschi's voice never right. her range never felt forced. Um, one comparison that I think you can draw from it is I think the grit in her voice when she, when you even when she goes up higher is you can kind of compare it to Janis Joplin. I was thinking that too, but better. Like yeah, a more well trained, uh, stronger range, uh, and just a better control of her voice, but with a little bit of that Joplin element. Yeah, it, and I mean, it's just it's like you said, it's you, the range of being able to get up as high as she can get. Or as low as she can get, and like Pat, not forced. Yeah, it's effortless. Right. There's it's, something to having that yeah. effortless feel. Um, and it really does kind of remind you of Janis Joplin in the way that mm-hmm. she's just able to kind of like dig down into no matter where the, where it is in her range, and just it, it just sounds natural. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair to Janis, who who knows with you know a couple more years under her belt how she could have progressed as a vocalist. That's certainly true. Because Although, Susan is is significantly older than Janis at this point. That that is definitely true. Although Janice had a certain lifestyle that may not have have led, but, to, hey, that's rock and roll. Yeah, it is. That was I, rock listen. and roll at the time. Uh, I don't begrudge her. Let's grade. Yeah, let's grade them. 
okay, so cultural impact. Uh, I mean, they're probably not going to be super high for us. Right. But they do chart well. They're very, very well known within the blues world. Like, Derek Trucks, if you play guitar and you don't know who Derek Trucks is, do you actually even play guitar? I mean, <laughs> it, amongst musicians, is Thousands of famous. guitars just disappeared off the face yeah. of the earth now that you well, said that. Exactly. Just and, gone. Right. And Snap millions of people have probably played guitar and only a few thousand disappeared because almost everybody who touches a guitar knows who Derek Trucks is. That's fair. I mean, he's very, very famous in that community. So yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. I think we can agree that they're going to be a little, they're going to be under the par. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, they're going to be below average here. It's totally And correct. it's nothing against them as, as musicians. A lot of people just would not have heard of this band. Yeah, very unfortunately, and I yeah. hope they do. I mean, because while they're charting extremely well, not selling that well. Right, exactly. So they've never had an album chart on the sales threshold. Correct. Uh, their highest record, which is Made Up Mind, has a confirmed 113,000 units sold. Right. Which is a lot of units. Oh, absolutely. But, kill, you know. Go for that. Well, yeah. I think I think our single has like eight confirmed sales so yeah, far. Yeah, something like that. Rock on, You're loving close that. Close to the double digits. Yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> exactly. From ten to ten thousand, like that, yeah. we're gonna be good. Uh, but <laughs> but even on the Billboard two hundred, all of their albums have come in in the top thirty, even in the the general Billboard two hundred. For sure. And you know what? That is that is definitely part of it. Um, I still, I think that's enough to put them in like a three. Uh three is just a little high. Though. Is it a little high for you? Because I, here's the thing. Are you at we're, least in the, the I'm twos? in the twos, okay. but I mean, we're talking about, we're not talking about how famous is Derek Trucks, sure. no, how no, no, famous no. is Susan Jadeski, right. how famous we will is be this doing, band, right. and I think the band in and of itself is maybe a two and a half. All right, um, I'll roll with that. I, yeah, I can I roll with that. Um, so here we are with four records. Only four yeah. because, you know, all these guys are- I mean, they're, they're relatively making... new. I mean, they have exactly. other projects. Right. Exactly. So it's been nine years. They're involved in other projects. They both were putting, you know, Tedeschi and Trucks were both putting out a lot of music with yeah. other people before this band. And that's the only reason why their breadth of work suffers. Yeah. And I, and that's another thing. That's like it. Part of the, the kind of danger of this on our podcast is we have to take each band individually. Right. And they have four albums. And we liked, oh, we really right. liked the three exactly. that we listened the to. The quality is, and I can let you know, I'll, I'll, spoiler alert, the other one's very good too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming Let Me Get it By is. was also just I, as it good. Is. Real, real quick, I think the other amazing part about this band is that- like we said, it's a husband and wife like front. Yeah. yeah. And anybody who's married, that's yeah. that has to be extremely tough because yeah. each person like musicianship wise, they might have their own feel to it yeah. and be able to have that cohesiveness and bring that feel together. And I think even outside of just music, yeah, Ed is the married member of the podcast <laughs> right. right now. But so. I think even outside of music, I would say that like gelling with somebody on like a romantic level doesn't mean you gel with all of your interests. Oh, absolutely. And I think that- Pat and I are very lucky that way. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. We gel on everything, Nick. But I think that, you know, like you're saying, like having a a romantic connection like that and also so perfectly gelling together musically- Yeah. It does add a whole other layer to it. I and, agree. And like you said, how she, she was featured as the lead guitar on it. Yeah. As a married couple, to, for him to be like Nick, you said he was what, 16th, I think? The yeah, most of, great, of greatest yeah, guitar, greatest guitar players ever. And him to say, oh, yeah, I'm yeah, sure absolutely. I'll take the back seat. Right. Go. Go do this. Yeah. Like, yeah. that is yeah. a very- a lack of ego that I yes. respect very much. For sure. Which um, I think makes that band like even you, more- was just an egotistical jerk. I only play lead guitar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, I think our standard here has been when we have a band that 
charts okay, uh, has phenomenal music, but is below the threshold, still puts us somewhere in the high fours, has been kind of Yeah, our... they're in. The, they're definitely... I want to put them as close to a five as I feel comfortable, which How for is, me... is that a four? It's like a four eight. Eight? Okay. I had a feeling it's we were so about there. so close. And I, honestly, I think that's going to be their, their worst score that we have left. For sure. Because I, instrumental be. talent is going to skyrocket. These guys... I think that's a 13. Uh, yeah, yeah, seriously. I mean, they've got to be... Uh, tell tell me if I'm wrong. They've got to be in the nines. Yeah, for I instrumentals, would nines. I would agree. Oh, for instrumentals, yeah. absolutely. And I, okay. and I think so. We had the only other uh, band that comes close in terms of the revolution of members was Deep Purple. Yeah, right. And right, right. they suffered for it. Right. But, um. The only difference is like this is a big band. Yeah. And Deep Purple was not a big band at that right. time. Right. They were like five members or so. Uh. But I do think that you know. We're in the nines, and I think that we're. I don't know if I want to go over a nine and a half. Do you want to? Are you comfortable sitting there right there at a nine and a half? I think so. I think I am. I'm comfortable with that too. Because I think that once you get to that level, it's not just Derek Trucks and Susan Tedeschi. Yeah. Uh, but every single. Like, with a Mount Rushmore of every instrument in this band would have to include these members to be above that. For sure. Me. I get that. And I think that that's more than just the two of them that does yeah. that, but not every member. Okay, uh, for the next category, songwriting talent, just as a reference point, I, I went back and looked at our Allman Brothers score, which was yeah. a 7.4. And I do think the Allman Brothers are probably like the closest approximation as to uh, the style and the incorporation of different genres right. and feelings that the Tedeschi Trucks Band does. Uh, so I would probably still be at least in the sevens. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, and they're very well-crafted songs. It's not just like, hey, let's try this, let's try that. Yeah. I mean, they really take their 11, 12, 13 members, whoever's there at the time, and very specifically craft their parts to, to create to a create hole that's bigger than any of them yeah. individually. For sure. I completely agree with you. Uh, I was also thinking in the sevens, and for me... Mm -hmm. The big thing that I would put them a little higher than the sure. Allman Brothers is the the extra level of fusion that takes place. There is some of that, yeah. Um, so they're not just doing country, rock, blues, jazz, jazz. Right. They're, it's all of them together in this like soup of delicious music. Yes, cauldron, right. and then yeah, yeah like a cauldron. a cauldron. And then they're also throwing in like a little bit more funk and like a mm -hmm. little bit more like a you know R and B and a little bit more psychedelic right. stuff. And, and the the modal Eastern stuff. We exactly. About yeah. So to go along with that, how you said like they kind of touch on everything. Yeah. Right. The one like so one thing that really stood out among all three of these albums was. It there were songs that kind of had like it was like that funk sound, but it almost had a little like reggae, like just like you yeah, could, yeah, hear, yeah. You could like sure. hear the bass lines like yeah. coming through, and like when you hear that, you're kind of like, oh, that's like that has that like reggae feel, but then it mm -hmm. would like the cauldron of everything, and then it would come in with like rock guitar, and it's kind of mm -hmm. like okay, like everything's like now meshing together, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're a, a couple maybe points. Higher than the seven point four, maybe like a seven six, seven seven. Is that what we're yeah, thinking? Yeah, I was a thinking a seven six. Uh, I'm great with that. Go seventy sixers. I yeah, like that. Exactly. There we go. It makes sense for when we do Eagles later. Yeah, that right. Exactly. Seventy sixers. Okay. Um, and then I will say for poetic talent, I do think that this is pretty solid all the way through. I would agree. I mean, it's not just average. I do no. think it's 
it's above average. It's maybe not going to blow you away. They're not Bob Dylan. They're not Phil Oaks. But I think these songs are very strong lyrically. Um, yeah. So I'm probably yeah. around a, a like a six-ish. Yeah, on, on I was thinking. Well. I was thinking in the low sixes myself yeah. too. I yeah. was. I was thinking high fives, but I'm same yeah. thing. Okay. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll, then, we'll average it. We'll say five nine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. We'll. I, we'll definitely go there because this stuff that conveys emotion mm-hmm. and. It's very important that not only is it conveying an emotion, it's conveying the same message that the song itself is in the music. So yeah, we talked yeah, about yeah. how good they are songwriters and like crafting of all those instruments. The lyrics is very important to helping right. somebody who maybe doesn't understand the emotion of instruments as well as others understand the emotion of the song. I agree. And I think that there wasn't a single time listening to these three albums I felt that didn't gel. Yeah, I, I fully agree with you. So, yeah, so I was leaning towards like a 6-3 myself. Um, I'll meet you there. I think that was good. I mean, as long oh, as that's I, there. Well, I said 5-9. Let's add, well, I'll give you guys a benefit of the doubt. We'll lean more in your direction. 6-2. All right. Okay, 6-2 works. That's fair. Uh, so is there an X factor that I'm unaware of here? Uh, I don't think so. I don't no. think so either. So that does it for Tedeschi Trucks. We're rolling on to Fallout Boy. All right, so Fallout Boy. Yeah! <laughs> uh, Fall Out Boy is an American rock band. They were formed in Wilmette, Illinois, which is right. Everybody's favorite city in yeah, Illinois. Everybody's favorite city is uh, I right like next Springfield. To yeah, it's right. <laughs> yeah, forget Chicago. It's Who not cares? important. Uh, anyway, I love anybody from Chicago. I was just kidding. Uh, yeah, right, right. Our right. Illinois and listeners, we appreciate Illinoisian. You. I assume that's what they call themselves. They're uh, the they're Illini. The, yeah, I was gonna say they're the Illini. I know. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so they were formed in 2001, and then uh, they had a little bit of a hiatus in 2009, and then they've been playing again since 2013. What a shame. (laughs) No spoilers, Nick. Yeah, sorry. Uh, So we went over three of their albums. Uh, We went over Take This to Your Grave, uh, which came out in 2003. Uh, Then we listened to From Under the Cork Tree, which came out in 2005. And then Mania, which came out, doesn't matter. We wish it it didn't come out. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's so true. Because we uh, loved it so much that we can't even handle it. Is exactly. That so that no one is yeah. surprised. Spoiler free. Yeah. Um, anyway, Nick, what did you think of the first album? Uh, okay. Uh, interesting to start with me. I feel like I was the person who was least involved with this music when it was first coming right. out and then kind of like retroactively learned it, even though I kind of grew up with it. Uh, and I'm glad Ed's here for this, actually, because you are the person I definitely most associate with the pop punk genre. Thank you. And you are definitely I'm the person. I'm glad he's here for this. Yeah. Definitely uh, didn't schedule that on purpose. Oh, wait. That's right. Um, <laughs> I just showed up yeah, here. Right. <laughs> he just happened to be here yeah. that day. Uh, but, I mean, Ed is definitely uh, the person who probably brought more pop punk songs and acts into my life than anyone else. Uh, and sometimes that's just okay. Uh, and other times it's very good. And this is definitely, this album is one of the better examples of the genre of pop punk or emo punk uh, yeah. that I've ever heard. So A lot um, of people agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, this was definitely uh, critically really highly acclaimed, uh, even though it's one of their lower selling albums because it was their first. It is still uh, considered amongst the best of the pop punk genre in a lot of lists. And every time like music publications get together to talk about pop punk, this is kind of a staple along with the, the next album that we're going to be talking about. Uh, can I just say these guys have got to be the most creative song title namers Yes, uh, yeah, possibly they're in the there. history of music. I don't know. Uh, Chiodos. Yeah, but I, I don't know anything by them. Um, <laughs> Nick, I, do you not remember Is It Progression If a Cannibal Uses a Fork? I do remember that, um, sort of. Um, <laughs> I've tried to block it out. Uh, so uh, so that's 
I'm very positive on this album general uh, in general. It's great to listen to. Um, Patrick Stump's voice is out of this world. He, he's really talented. It's the name. Uh, it could be the name, Patrick. Um, really much better instrumentals than you would expect from a pop punk, emo punk band. Yeah. Um, the one detraction from that would be, though, even though I can hear more talent on this record from these guys than from maybe like Blink-182 or American Hi-Fi or any other name, a, two th- a band that put out Pop Punk in 2000. Uh, it's still so very much, like if you told me, if you took Patrick Stump off of this and told me that this was a Dashboard Confessional album, I'd be like, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> like, sure, that makes, that yeah. tracks uh, all the pop punk generally blends together. Like yeah. a lot of those bands have so similar of a sound that it's hard to tell who is who without the vocalist in it, there. It's almost it's like you said. It's they all mesh together, right? And it's you could yeah. you could tell me that oh uh, Saturday by Fall Out Boy. Oh, that was an American Pie, and you'd be like, okay, yeah, it definitely sounds like it was an American <laughs> Pie. Yeah, I, that's yeah. so funny because I literally have the notes American Pie soundtrack. Yeah, it's uh, everyone. Yeah. Every like, one of these songs. Music, that's that's what I associate. It's like, and I almost wonder if these artists in this type of song has the same appeal for people who aren't millennials who didn't very specifically grow up in the late '90s and early 2000s with like those and you know movies. What? We'll and never know. No, uh, but I de- it, it has a certain feeling of home for our generation, I guess, in a way. Yeah. Um. So says a lot about our generation that our feelings of home is emo pop. Yeah, emo pop punk with American Pie. But what? Yeah. But that's all I had to say. Yeah. I mean, no, I like. I personally like just love this album, and I'd said to you guys before, like growing up listening to it, and then it kind of like takes the back burner because you're listening to new stuff, and then when you go back and you listen to this album, like uh, start to be or start to end, it's like wow, like you remember everything. All the memories come flooding back to you. Uh, Nick, you touched on it. Patrick Stump's voice uh, in this album goes to the freaking moon. Yeah. Um, it seems like every song he's getting up there in his o- yeah. or getting up there in his range. Um, almost, I think every song on this album, it's just fast. It's like it just yes. it's yes. just hitting. Oh, yeah. you. That was one of my notes too. Everything mm-hmm. on this album Everything is high is, tempo. Yeah, there yeah, are no breaks. Um, it makes for like a really fun listen. Get in your car turn it up and you go and it's just like constantly high tempo. Um, I think for the genre, it's, it's what you expect. A lot of, uh, cool guitar licks throughout the whole thing. Uh, the intro track, tell that Mick, he just made my list of things to do. Uh, it starts off with this really cool, uh, guitar lick up on the neck. Uh, and then every song has not just one, but like two, three, four breakdowns where they highlight the drums and uh, what, did yeah. you, what was his name? Uh, Hurley. The, oh yeah, Andy so, Hurley. Andy Hurley. Andy Hurley. Uh, and it like highlights him because like watching them live, he is so entertaining to watch, and I'm I'm happy that this album that they like highlight the drums because there's a lot of drum fills that come in on these breakdowns and they come back into it. Um, I think the biggest song off this album that if you were like, Hey, tell me, tell me your favorite fallout boy song. A lot of people other than sugar were going down, which was off the other album. Yeah. yeah, uh, is grand theft autumn, which is where, uh, where is your boy tonight? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it Mm -hmm. comes in with just Patrick Stump's vocals. Right. Which and, was originally very controversial yeah. when they decided whether or not that's how they wanted to do the song. Yeah. Like, they were very, like, oh, I don't know if we should come in on a on an acapella. Uh, it starts with that, and I mean, even seeing them perform this live, he says, where is, and next thing you know, he's drowned out by the thousands of thousands of people mm-hmm. who are singing it back because it's they're 
probably biggest song off this album. Yeah. Um, but just, I knew it. Yeah, but just a really, really fun, fun album and song to listen to um, because of that. And like you said, just so creative with the song titles. Uh, yeah, uh, that is definitely one of the more fun parts is, is just reading this. Yeah, um, but just very fast-paced, a lot of breakdowns, drum fills, really cool guitar licks um, throughout the whole thing. All right, Pat, wrap us up and take us into From Under the uh, Cork Tree. Sure. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something here where I'm not going to talk about the specific part of the album. I agree with what you're saying, and I don't want to redwell. Um, love Patrick Stone's voice. My only critique was there were times when it felt a bit repetitive and a bit young. Yeah, I get that. Which very angsty. they are young. They mm-hmm. they're not in between like 19 and 24, so they're still like quite young yeah. at this point. Uh but a lot of times when you are young it doesn't necessarily feel young. Sure. Uh still very top tier album for me in the genre. Um the only thing that I want to say is one, shout out to the song Dead on Arrival for being on Guitar yes. Hero 3, Legends of <laughs> Rock. Okay. I don't know if I remember that. <laughs> and two, I want to talk about a Six Degrees of Totem talks here. So this album was produced uh, by Fueled Fueled by by Ramen. Ramen. Yes. Who very famously on our podcast uh, produced Young the Giant's first album. Oh, yes. They've done, they uh, definitely start a lot of artists right. that end so, up going somewhere. You know? Nick, uh, one of your personal favorites, 21 Pilots. Yeah, That's although who I they have started. not listened to them in years. Yes, well, uh, you're 21 Pilots. Vessel, really. um, but yeah, Pat, like you said, the six, six Degrees of Separation with Fueled by Ramen. They've yep. been with Paramore, Panic at the Disco, yeah, they, they 21 really, Pilots. Uh, I mean, do a good job of promoting yeah. bands and, and taking uh, them for sure. I just, I literally saw Fueled by Ramen, and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. I get to say one. Yeah. Actually, oh, uh, you're, I can't wait for the one that I have coming later. Oh, I know. I and, know. And just to stay kind of in the genre, uh, like uh, the big one of the biggest songs in uh, kind of like pop punk history that everybody knows, you know, like you guys know, performing it. As soon as you start playing the intro to Jimmy Eat World's, oh yeah, uh, the, the middle, middle, the middle, yeah. They were also a fueled by ramen band. Not surprised. And you could and you could see fueled by ramen in the early two thousands, like nineties. They were geared right at that. And I mean, oh for sure. I mean, that's their quite a few. That's totally their style. Which is why when they did Young the Giant, it was weird. Yeah, because that's not their style of Young the Giant at all. Very well done. Yeah, for sure. The way that first album was produced. Uh, But anyway, uh, yeah. So I'm just gonna take the time and I'm gonna walk right into from under the cork tree. Perfect. Yeah. So this was a couple years later. Uh, now we're still very high upbeat. Um, and the only thing for me, again, I'll start off in the negative and then more positive. They're not the most technical performers. Um, they, they, they're kind of just like fast and loose. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that just also goes with the genre. Like exactly. And it really does. So that's why it's not a huge negative, but I do want to get that out of the way. Uh, especially when we are just coming off of a band like Tedeschi Trucks. Right. So, which is all technical perfection. Mm-hmm. To come right into Fallout Boy, like, that definitely hit me, where it's like, there's a lot more sloppiness going on, a lot more, like, kind of whatever we want to do is just as long as we're hitting the emotion. Right. Um, Still a great album, though. Uh, arguably their best album. Uh, it's it's their most successful, obviously, yeah. which is why we're doing it in this it's spot. It's either the first one or this one, so. Right. <laughs> and you're not wrong. Uh, so... A couple things. Uh, the first song is is titled "Our Lawyer Made Us Change the Name of This Song So We Wouldn't Get Sued." I wonder what it was originally. I do know that. Oh, you do? Yes. So it was oh. originally titled "My Name Is David Ruffin and These Are the Temptations." Oh, okay. And, I did read about that. Yeah, and it was about 
like the whole song is about what's the difference between like megalomania and like being a superstar right because anybody who knows about david ruffin he tried to like take over the temptations mm. and have them be like david ruffin and the temptations, and the temptations right and they kicked him out and it didn't end well for him uh so <laughs> yeah that's why so that was the name of it that's pretty it would have been it would have ended much better for him if they did name that the song and then he got a good payday from it well his oh. estate unfortunately. yeah his estate uh, but yeah. uh, but anyway, the rest of the album, uh, you're gonna know "Sugar We're Going Down." You're gonna probably know "Dance Dance." That's my favorite. Um, those are those are both very popular Fall Out Boy songs. Uh, we're the only song that we didn't hit that's arguably one of their most popular is "Thanks for the Memories." Or yeah, thanks definitely. for the murmurs. Right, that's a big one that we missed. Um, but yeah, so that wasn't on this album or any album we listened to. But uh, some of the stuff that I really liked here were when they weren't the fallout boy everybody knows. Mm. Uh, because it's interesting to me to hear them do that stuff and do it well. Sure. Obviously, Patrick Stump's vocals are are pretty out there, like pretty high up in terms yeah. of especially this genre. I would oh, argue yeah. he's probably number two. Um, uh, who in pop punk is? I'm. Just, I like, mean, Brendan to Urie is. Uh, are are is we a talking pure vocalist? Oh, I think Brendan Urie's arguably one of the best. Yeah. In that, in the f- sense that's what that, I mean, I think Patrick Stump is yeah. up there. Right. Yeah. But Brendan Urie's a better vocalist. But I think he's probably you could argue he's the number two There's in the no genre. I think he's very unique. Even... I, I like that his voice exactly. is very unique. Yeah. Um, exactly. And that he fits with that. Um, yeah. So another song. So going into it as well. Uh, Pat, you touched on Sugar We're Going Down, Dance Dance. Yeah. Um, another one that's like flies under the radar that people will know, um, that people know, but they like it's just the title of the, the song. Yeah, no one has titles. Where you're like, oh, that's yeah. what it was called. Uh, a little less 16 candles and a little yes. more touch me. Yeah. Um, and it's the same feel. You hear it and you're like, yeah, that, that could have been an American Pie. For sure. Uh, oh my, you could say that <laughs> title about included. Every, every single one of these. <laughs> and it's funny because listening to the albums, uh, heard listening to it and you're like oh my god like bring back memories like this is just so fun and i megan my wife she she was like oh that was in this gymnastics movie and she used and she used that song as her floor routine and and all you could think of is like okay i guess like growing up that's just like another like angsty teenage movie oh right right where this band is just thrown I, into I'm it. I'm desperately trying to think of any gymnastics movies. Yeah, so I'm I not... know very few. Yeah, and I and she was like, oh, it's from her floor routine, and you're like, okay. Uh, sure, right. Um, <laughs> hey, you know what? Great routine. But, great yeah. deep dive from Megan. Yeah, yeah. Um, appreciate that. But with this album, one thing that I really did like that they did differently from their first album was there was parts, like they, they started off with, uh, our lawyer made us change the name so we didn't get sued. Yeah. Uh, they started that off, and it was more of, uh, Patrick Stump's lower range. It was almost like talking. For sure. Um, whereas the first album was just all him way up here. And then like this album, they kind of like highlighted like, hey, he can do more than that. Like he sounds good yeah, in the lower that's, and that's So that's what I was saying. I liked that they did more than just the yelling. I liked when mm-hmm. they broke it down. Uh, sophomore Slump or Comeback of the Year was the one that really stuck out to me for that. Uh, there was a lot more like palm mute playing and like a little bit more like spoken word into the registers, into the upper. Like mm-hmm. it kind of had that build to it. Right. Uh, which showed a lot of depth from a band that you wouldn't have necessarily expected that from. Right. Which and I is will good. say, I do think 
there's an improvement on the vocals, even if it's slight between these two albums. And it yeah. could just be maybe the quality of recording after yep. having some success with the first one. I think it's the difference between um, being 19 and being in your early it, 20s. Right, it could it, be that it, as well. It, but it you can hear there's a maturation, there's some polishing going on with his voice. Yeah. Like, not that he wasn't very good on the first one, but you can tell the difference. Like he, He's getting yeah. better uh, and, as we go. And to touch on that, Nick, it's like the recording process of it. I really loved with this album, uh, and I'll touch on it with the next band we're doing, uh, but I love that this album was their first one and it was recorded professionally but like it still has that raw sound to it yeah um and you can kind of see the maturation with the next album where it sounds very polished compared to their first one that they put out and it was just very hey here's these young guys it's it's their band and we're just gonna put them out there if anybody likes them we'll sign them for longer um so like seeing that all right, I'm going to be very quick to wrap yeah, this be up. Very, very, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so here's all I will say. Um, they continue to show that they are pretty much at the top of this particular genre, uh, but the drawback of these albums is they are better at doing the same thing that everybody is doing. Uh, that's yeah. what I felt about them. And it, within pop punk, they're pretty much doing the same thing everybody else is doing, but they're just doing it better than almost all right. those other pop punk fans. So I wish they could have maybe differentiated themselves more, which is well, why we get to main. No, no, no. Let's grade them. Let's, <laughs> let's just grade them. Yeah, you, no, 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 no. No, Nick, we should let's just, just, We're going to skip. We'll just say one thing. Mania. The grades are going to be very different if we yeah. talk about the same because uh, they're going to be tens yeah. across the board. So Mania uh, is their most recent album, and it's tough to listen to because oh, they come gosh. from – these fast-paced instrumental songs where it's guitar and everything, where it's this album has pretty much taken all of the instrumentation out of it and it's just put brutal. and just put computer sounds behind them. Um, it's brutal. It's and like, it's seriously, just, it is an overproduced mess. Yeah, it's so disappointing. And and for me, so we could all go around the table as we have been doing and as we normally do and individually pan this album. Right. I know we all agree. Of course. Yeah, we it was terrible. I say we just do it as a group. It okay. was awful. It, it was, was awful. overproduced. Yeah, not mess. fun. Now, is it a 6 degrees of totem talk to say that they maroon 5 where their first two albums were very good and then they just were horrible we'll give by 2018? We'll give it one of these. We'll give it a we'll give it a Okay. A tiny boy. A little Fair tiny enough. guy. Yeah. Uh yeah. yeah I mean, Matt, it's just awful. Pat, you said overproduced just brutal uh, and i and i don't know why it's like as musicians i mean maybe that's where they felt like hey i'm inspired by this i really like this sound or whatever and they try to do it you know i just i just it's yeah. not their genre right. it's not and i it also doesn't feel that it doesn't it feel doesn't genuine feel like i'm inspired to make this it feels like i don't really know what i want to make so i'm just gonna yeah. experiment with everything because they had like kind of Latin parts of songs, yeah. some reggae, but all mixed with but these over-technotronic produced stuff. Yeah. And the big issue for me, uh, my big thing, it's the last thing I'm going to say before we grade them, and then you guys can say whatever you want, were the lyrics and the message. So they are known as like these angsty, like yeah. emo pop punk people who, who have this message of like, you know... F the world, basically. The world's mm. out to get whatever. Totally on this one, it's been like, eh, whatever. Everybody likes us and we're happy and it doesn't really matter. And it's like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. You spent 20 years saying other things to me. And now this is what you're telling me now after 20 years? Like, what? Yeah. I just, it, it, the message, the instrumentation. Right. If you told me this was another band, I'd be okay. Even if there was a maturing. Whatever band replaced like, Maroon 5 and Fallout Boy as like yeah. doppelgangers, that's this band. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, 
and I will say as part of our going into scoring too, uh, something that we definitely always keep in mind is that even when it's not to our tastes, we like to give fans credit for trying. Uh, but there is a difference between experimenting with new genres and completely selling out. And this yeah. is a complete sellout. Yeah. And this is not trying something new. This is giving up. Yeah. And the thing, well, the thing is that I question because uh, there have been bands in pop punk who uh, there has been the starting line. And they had that song, The Best of Me, and that was their big song. Uh, but coming up, they were told, hey, you need to sound more like Newfound Glory. Mm. Yeah. And they and if you listen to the Starting Lines albums, it's they're just like this, just very fun songs. Or, they have good lyrics, mm-hmm. but the record label is telling them, you need to do it this way. If not, and they and eventually got cut, and they now just do the same thing songs over and over every now and then so i don't know maybe this was a uh, record label saying hey we want you to do more what yeah, panic at the disco is doing very, uh, because I mean, it definitely could have been We've i would hope record that, companies yeah. ruin many yeah. bands on because this like you said turtles Br- brendan yeah. Urie, panic at the disco they do electronic stuff but it fits so well with their yeah, style yeah. and brendan Urie is just so like so transcendental of genre yeah like he, he can say. do anything and yeah. it sounds so well where patrick stump is like hey this Very is your niche. lane this yeah. is your lane stay there so it's like maybe they saw hey panic at the disco still has all this traction they're doing it how do we go there let's try and do what they're doing but yeah. for well, me it well, just doesn't I mean, hit yeah. i think we've let's panned just, it enough yeah. let's grade them exactly Cultural, cultural impact. Uh, just to be concise, let's just throw out there, uh, like in the neighborhood of seven to seven and a half. That's yeah, my I mean that's gut. very that's very accurate. I would say for them, everybody knows who Fall Out Boy is. Their albums all sold extremely well. Right, important within their genre. Yes, uh, I, but, I agree with that. You know, maybe not changing the face of music like some of our other artists, but uh, so are we in between there? Or are we at like that I'm, seven? I'm three? good with I'm good with seven uh, five. Yeah, uh, let's do a seven point four. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, breadth of work. So there are seven records here. Um, some of them are very good, and some of them are very bad. Right. Um, uh, so they se- do sell well, though. Seven's above average. Mm-hmm. By uh, little. One, I'm looking at multiple, at least four of them went platinum or multi-platinum. Right, which definitely helps a lot. So that's, you know, more than half have hit yeah. the platinum threshold. Um, every other album has charted. They've had yeah. their seven for seven on charts. Even Mania, which we just panned, went silver. Yeah, only in the UK. Yeah, not in not in the United I, States. Well, good. Yeah, I I am agreeing. I'm with glad it. to right. see the American people have wised up a little yeah, bit. It's about time, musically at least. Um, yeah. <laughs> so so I, I mean, honestly, I'm at this place where I think they're that they're helped out by their uh, thresholds. Yeah. But the latter half of their discography, when they went pop, pull you know pushes back down against where they were going up in the first half of their yeah, discography. So I they don't come up as much agree. on quality as they would Here's have. the thing that I will say. The three albums on their return mm-hmm. all charted at number one in the sure. U.S. Sure, of course, of course. Um, uh, but that doesn't speak to their quality. I agree, I agree. But, you know, it is both. So, they're. I mean, they're above average. Oh, absolutely. I'm not and arguing. And 6.5. 6.5. That would break all precedent. Yeah, is show. a little high. Yeah. Um, I think six might be where they could top but out they're above average. them selling. Yeah, they're above average. So, they're above a five. I think I would be putting them in like a five, eight range. That is where I felt more comfortable. Yeah, I, was I think they're like really above top. average in number and above average in sales. Right. 
but the quality of which those last at three. first was helping them rise by the yeah. last two or three albums was really pulling them back, right? Unfortunately, and that's unfortunate. It uh, is. Um, so songwriting or uh, instrumental. instrumental? Instrumental again. I think they're going to be uh, higher on this one than they were on Breath of Work. Yeah, uh, they're definitely talented for their genre. They do not compare to Tedeschi Trucks. No, and and <laughs> I mean, let's just be here's clear the big with thing that. for them. Patrick Stump's a good singer. Mm-hmm. And uh, Andy Hurley's a good drummer. Absolutely. Pete Wentz is a bassist. Sure. And I can't name anybody else in the band. True. It, well, but I mean, I, I'm I mean, reading I the guitar them so playing I could. was very solid, but yeah, it was solid. But uh, I, again, I think this is where those like those like I said, they're sloppy technically. That Often stuff. Times. That stuff comes into play here. Okay. You know, if you're not technically playing tight and you're not, are you? You're, you know, like, I understand as low as you were on breath. No. Okay. I, I'm we're we're in agreement that it's a little higher than their breath of work though still yeah okay just making sure no I agree but I mean it's it's definitely not you're not hitting the range of like great or I even agree. necessarily good plus we're hitting good yeah uh so like six I think a six works I I totally agree with I that. think a six works and I think that honestly <laughs> you know what I think a six works okay because I was gonna maybe take points away from mania and and having uh, no instruments no, I think on we've it. Already I think done we've that. penalized them enough. Yeah. Exactly. So that's I think yeah, that was incorporated works. into my six. Um, uh, and that's also hurting them on songwriting a little bit. Yes. And this was already one of their weaker categories just because I feel like they yeah. blend like their songs are all just so similar to each other and similar to things within the genre. For sure. They are get we, points. Are we basing for, it lyrically or just well, that's in so general? The next okay. Thing's okay. Lyrics, yeah. So songwriting is just the music. Uh so I'd be struggling to give them above average on this at all. Yeah, I I think this is not where they shine. Yeah, I think it's just like a lot of their songs are just, hey, fast paced, break down, yeah. drum fill, come back in. And exactly. a lot of the times they would just, it had that like faux live feel where it was like a fake crowd behind them, yeah. kind of adding that like just like gang vocal. Right. And that's yeah. pretty much all they do in terms of trying to so, make their songs different. I'm going to throw a number. Yeah, please. And that number is 4.8. That's literally the number that was in my head. Perfect. Uh, poetic talent is higher than that, though. Yes, and that's Definitely. for sure. Uh, just lyrics, just just titles. Yeah, the t- titles They get some points creative. for the titles. I, I mean, uh, I mean, they're they're above average. They're not necessarily reinventing the wheel here. No, I here. could also probably go in that six neighborhood here. Yeah, I'm a, I might be a little under a six. A little though. under a six? Okay. Uh, and I again- See, I, I think that they're better four. than average. Yeah, I see. I agree. Personally, I like I see them as like a mid six, just because, like, not just from the titles of their songs, how creative they are mm-hmm. with it, um, like this, just like the creativeness of the lyrics as they do right. it, um. And it goes back to the very first song on their first album, "Tell That Mick." He just made my list of mm-hmm. things to do. Yeah, and it's, let's play this game when you catch fire, and I wouldn't piss you out. Well, like so, it, yeah. it's just like uh, yeah. the creative things I mean, that you would never it's, hear. It's, it's interesting. It's I get where you're coming philosophy. from with like a mid six area. The reason I'm lower than that is because of that huge message change, not growth, complete reversal. Right for that uh, last later album. album. So kind it's of like take them down a little bit. You I know, you you spend all this time cultivating this audience and building this message, and then at the last moment you just switch it. So I would be okay if Ed was like above a six, and we were both in like the five eight range. Averaging out right on a six, right on a six. Yeah, up, I can. Well, live on I a gave six. you guys yeah. a benefit of the doubt on the last one. Let's yeah. let's go, yeah. let's go six one. We average here. Let's go six one. I can give him a six right. one. Uh, and there's not next. There's factor not an X factor. Uh, okay, so let's see the Eagles. All right, so Eagles. They're Do you a want band. Me to introduce them. I said it. They're a band. 
Oh, that's, okay. That's that's it. Uh, no, the Eagles are an American <laughs> rock band. They were formed in L.A. in uh, 1971. They and L.A. Had, is? Uh, Louisiana, the state. That's Perfect. the state. Yeah, yeah. there we uh, go. But they've had five number one singles, six number one albums, six Grammys, five AMAs. I mean, they're one of the most successful and highest selling bands <laughs> You know in what? The Here we go. The world. I just want to say it's always really funny when you're going into a band that we know you like yeah. because you always read a little further in the blurb. I read so a like, little bit further in yeah, the blurb. So yeah. So like you'll you, whenever it's a band that you're like kind of okay on, you'll just be like you'll have ended on they formed in 1971, blah, blah, blah. but you're like no, they're the this and they went all these I things. I mean, <laughs> it's just funny. They did. No, I know. <laughs> and I'm not saying you're incorrect. It's just always yeah. funny cuz like I can see it from here. Oh, of course. I, I can't. I mean, not that we, I anyone mean, we who all listened know. to the to the Get to Know Your Hosts episode heard me put the Eagles in my top 5 artists of all time. That's true. Uh so the albums that we listened to for this podcast were Eagles, their their first album. Then we listen Which to Which is an eponymous album. Yes, it is. Uh Hotel California from nineteen seventy six. And then last but not least, Long Road Out of Eden from two thousand and seven, which was their first album that they had put out in nearly thirty years. Yeah. Uh, after and very notoriously breaking up. And it showed. Yeah. Uh, uh is it breaking up or is it a nuclear explosion? Yeah, I mean, the Eagles maybe are more famous than any other band for hating each other. I mean, that's fair. That are very notorious for it. Yeah, not now, not anymore. Maybe um, Fleetwood. Yeah, well, the, there was this different love hate relationship. Yeah, different kind but of also, hate. Also, I mean, who was dating Stevie Nicks in the mid seventies? Don Henley. Did you know that? I know that no. now. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So the Eagles you tie know, into my, that perfectly. My actually. my nineteen seventies uh, Stevie Nicks stuff isn't really yeah, on point. Six enough. degrees of separation. Oh, well, yeah. I, oh, don't yeah. worry, oh. I have the real one. We haven't done Fleetwood Mac yet, so we'll get there. Uh, anyway. Uh, so I'll let either one of you guys take the floor with Eagles. Ed, why don't you go first? Uh, so we're going to start with Eagles, their first album, which is titled Eagles. Uh, for me, absolutely love this album. Uh, it's actually the cool. first physical record that I had ever bought um, when I got a record player. And what I loved about this album is even when you listen to it on your phone, you can hear the imperfections in the recording and you can hear how raw it is. Um, the intro of Take It Easy coming in, like just that song alone. It's very iconic, yeah. those chords. Oh, yeah. Coming coming in on that and like you can hear, you can hear almost like the slight out of tune sound in the intro and they come in and it just, it's incredible. Like, yeah. And then on all the songs, um, the harmonies. I think the biggest thing with the Eagles, everybody knows them, is their vocal harmonies. Oh yeah. Oh Every, yeah. Everybody in their band can sing. Yeah. Uh, for sure. They're the gold standard. Don Henley yes. is the, the second standard. most famous singing drummer of all time to Phil Collins. Arguably, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, song songs on this album like iconically "Take It Easy," um, "Witchy Woman" coming in, Love and that. It, like just every oh, yeah. every song on this album. Like you, you would have known this. You would have known almost all of these songs listening to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but absolutely loved it. Uh, the instrumentals on it are not. I would say they're not what the Eagles are and what you would expect. Um, and I'll get into that with their second album and the the differences. Yeah, um, and a lot of that has to do with the personnel. Yes, um, but just the fact that they have Glenn Fry and Don Henley both being like just incredible singers, and that they kind of go back and forth throughout the album. And strangely enough, this has the fewest Henley tracks of any Eagles record, only two, yeah. Uh, yeah. which is interesting. Um, so absolutely love it. And the fact that they, at the end of the album, they have Peaceful, Easy Feeling, which is just such a laid back song. Um, and it just, just the 
the writing of the lyrics and how they flow together is just just gorgeous. And like you listen to it, it's such an easy listen, um, and the harmonies on it just really kind of like hit you, and it's like wow. And even yeah. as somebody who's like, if you're not a musician, you can appreciate that. Oh, the, the, yeah, the harmony easily for sure. Yeah, I get that. Pat, you want to keep rolling? Yeah, man, I'll roll on. Uh, so I agree with a lot of this stuff. Uh, so we're early on in their career here. Um, it's funny. I read a review. So after I did my notes, mm-hmm. uh, and after normally after I do my notes, I like to look at some reviews to see how much I disagree with them. Right. Yeah. It's always fun. So this was a positive review for this album that was calling Glenn Fry and Don Henley uh, session musicians who at this point had failed in their careers. <laughs> And I looked and I'm like, okay, cool. That, okay. Well, I, I thought they were still really young here. Yeah. So then I went and looked it up and I was like, oh yeah, no, they were like 22 and 24. Okay. Yeah, well, super, we were all failures. Yeah, a ton of time to fail at that point. I was like, what is this guy even saying? That's so ridiculous. They're still like, this is their, fr- whatever. They were children. I just saw it and I immediately had struck a chord. I'm like, yeah. Okay, cool. I, whatever, Jerk. man. Whatever, old man. <laughs> Uh, but I love this album. Uh, a lot of classic songs on this album. Oh, yeah. I mean, we talked about Take It Easy, Peaceful Easy Feelings, another one. Uh, I also am a big fan of the song Nightingale. Uh, yeah. Jackson Brown was the original composer of right. that Right, well, I mean, they hung out with Jackson Brown. They right. lived in the same building. That he, he, also, how to song he also did Take uh, It Easy. Yeah. yeah, so Glenn Fry actually talks about that in their documentary. He mm-hmm. said that's how the Eagles learned how to, to write, write songs. Yeah, because they lived downstairs to Jackson Brown in, right. in L.A. They would play the same clubs. And he said every morning Jackson Brown would get up. He would put uh, tea, the tea kettle on the thing. He would sit down and he would say he would wake up and he would just hear over and over and over uh the first verse playing it on piano he would go back do it again do it again then you would hear the teapot go off and he said he would just sit there and listen to jackson brown play and he said that's how the eagles learned to write their songs pretty good mentor for songwriting yeah i would agree i mean and i would agree and uh another mentor that glenn fry had was bob seger bob seger in michigan Mm -hmm. um and i believe they were going to partner up for something and Glenn Fry just said, I think I'm going to go do my own thing, and then went and yeah, formed the I'm Eagles. Yeah, that works. Uh, the one song that I wanted to point out, I'm not going to sure. I'm not gonna wax too poetic, because I know, Nick, you got to have stuff to yeah, say. Yeah, I'm going to be quick. Um, most of us are sad. That was my number one deep cut oh, that I had to highlight. Oh, my God. I absolutely loved it. It's a great song. Such a different feeling. And the, really, the only song on this album, at least, that felt like a really great moment of reflection yeah. The rest of the song, I mean, the rest of the songs are all phenomenal. They're classics and you know, they they stand the test of time. But that song was one that one I hadn't heard before and I'm listening to it and I'm, it was so different from the rest that it just struck a chord with me. Yeah, and it's a Randy Meisner vocal and you don't yes, get a and ton you don't of get those. a ton of them yeah. at all. I think there's 3 on this album. Yeah, More than and I mean very song. very few after that. Yeah. Know, he, he, he gets less and less of those. Right. As, as I, so I just wanted to throw that out there, and then, Nick, I will let you talk about Eagles. Sure. Uh, I'll, I'll do big picture stuff, uh, with one exception. So you guys both mentioned Take It Easy, but did you know there is a statue of Glenn Fry on a corner in Winslow, Arizona, holding a guitar? So if you go to Winslow, Arizona, you can see Glenn Fry there, uh, which That's I think awesome. is very cool. Um, I mean, the harmonies are, are the, the standard bearer at this point Absolutely. with what they're doing, because not only uh, what might not come across for some people who 
understand the music a little bit less is that there are easy harmonies where you could just do blocked chords and, a, and an octave or you could try to do things that are more complex and harmonically yeah. difficult to hang on to and they take a lot of chances and do things that are difficult in their harmonies oftentimes and it really pays off and that's why a- they sound absolutely. so phenomenal. I mean Eagles definitely are in the Mount Rushmore of singing bands. Oh, easy. I, I mean, I can't even... I'm trying to think of a fourth right now. My uh, brain hurts from thinking I mean, the them. ones that I would put up there would probably be uh, Eagles, Beatles, Queen, Beach Boys. Beach Boys, yes. Yeah. I but love the Beach Boys. As far as yeah, every the, single the person Rushmore. who's ever been in the band being able to hold lead down and yeah. nail it, the Eagles have to be number one. Um, Yeah, I yeah. would definitely agree with you on that. Uh, So, real quick, uh, Glenn Johns, our old friend Glenn Johns is the producer yes. and engineer who worked with pretty much every major classic rock artist ever, but that's not my Six Degrees of Totem talks. Um, <laughs> I like how you are saying them, but you have to tell me yeah, it's I not the one to, you want me to push the to button for. Because I think it's important. Um, you didn't talk about his thing. son. No, I didn't talk about Ethan. Uh, last thing I will say is that this is pre-Don Felder or Joe Walsh on guitar, uh, so you don't quite get the flashiness on guitar that you'll see in later Eagles albums. Yeah. But the writing for the guitar is always immaculate. Like, they play exactly the right notes in their solos and riffs that complete the song perfectly, uh, and, and I really do love what they do. So then I'm just going to run right into Hotel California. Yeah, so this one, not that popular. Yeah. Only 26 times platinum, which yeah, is one barely of the, any units sold, only only a few. One of the highest selling records ever, um, and it's not even the Eagles' highest selling record, which I'm sure we'll mention later on. Well, it's their highest selling studio, studio album, album, but which, I mean, it's out of this world. Uh, and it's got a ton of favorites. I mean, you could just go through the track listing, and pretty much everything is like greatest hits edition worthy on this, uh, because... Don Felder and Joe Walsh are both in the band playing guitar at this point, uh, and Bernie Leiden is gone. Uh, my favorites have to. My favorite Glenn Fry vocal ever, I think, is "New Kid in Town." Yep. I mean, "New Kid in Town" is one of my favorite songs written by any band ever. And then my favorite Henley song is also on this record, "The Last Resort." "The Last Resort" is not only a compositional masterpiece, but it is a lyrical masterpiece, and it really opened my eyes to how clever Don Henley's writing is. Because if you're ve- if you're listening in passing, you might not realize how deep of issues he's trying to hit very often. Um, but he really, I mean, he's got a very interesting worldview and he takes a lot of important issues and he puts them in his songs uh, in a way that you might not really get it at first. This one is probably the most straightforward of them, uh, but it had me listening to all of his other stuff more closely and I'm really glad that I did. Uh, Also, I will say one Joe Walsh vocal on this album, Pretty Maids All in a Row, which is possibly even the best Walsh vocal uh, Eagle song. I mean, there are only a handful because there are only seven albums and everybody sings, but it might be my favorite Walsh song with the Eagles. And that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to try my hardest to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, this al- this album um, is same thing as the first one, like top to bottom. There's not a song on there that is bad. No. Agreed. Uh, and you would know most of them. And Nick, New Kid in Town, one of their top songs in my personal oh, opinion. Absolutely. Um, but another one in here that uh, is one of their bigger songs, but it just kind of like falls wayside because of Hotel California being the song of the record. Of and I mean, it was voted, it was said by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that it had it had transformed rock and roll and it like molded rock and roll. Um but life in the fast lane, and, Such a great and when you talk, yeah. and when you talk about songwriting, the fact that 
Glenn Fry said it was because he was with a drug dealer who had a bunch of cocaine in the back seat, and they're driving. The guy's doing in his night. He's in driving in the nineties, and he says, "Hey, we have a bunch of drugs in the back seat. Maybe we should slow down." And the guy looked at him and said, "Hey, kid, this is living life in the fast lane," <laughs> and hit it. And then to say, "Hey, I have this idea for a song by using this this guy's influence." Yeah. And Joe clearly we don't do enough. Yeah, no, that's the problem. (laughs) We're too sheltered to write songs. And and then to have Joe Walsh say, "Oh, life in the fast lane was just a just like a warm up for him. He would just play that riff as a warm up, and he's like, I thought everybody does that, and Mm. then put that as the like the main lick of the song, and it really." Uh, shows how distinctive Joe Walsh's voice on the guitar is, too. Like, you can tell when it's him playing. Yes. Um, but yeah, the entire album, top to bottom, incredible. Victim of Love. I love that. Uh, just yeah. yeah, I just harmonies. I love song. Yeah, like, there's not a bad thing to say about, like, no. any of their songs on here. Um, and that's not even touching on Hotel California. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I, which I was trying to I leave was some stuff wondering, for you guys. I was wondering if people were going to talk yeah, about I it. I intentionally tried to leave as much of it for you guys yeah. as I could. And I mean, I think it was like the first seven minute song to ever be played on the radio. Um, and when they wrote it, it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, this is a great song, but it's not going to go anywhere because nobody's going to want to listen to seven minutes oh, of music. Wrong. And now, wrong. <laughs> and it's turned into this culturally. One of the biggest impacted songs of rock and yeah, roll. I think uh, it was ranked third, the thirty seventh greatest song of all time by Rolling Stone. Yeah, something I like mean, that. And we often disagree with what they have to say anyway, but duly, I mean that they deserve it. And uh, yeah, Pat, real quick, could you uh, play the Six Degrees of Separation? Oh man, the Six Degrees. Um, Interesting six degrees for somebody who's been on one episode to do it. Uh, I'm going to see where he goes. Yeah, hopefully he picks another artist that we've done. That's um, true. It'll be. I believe. I think you guys have. Uh, so the really cool thing about this song is the Eagles actually, uh, nodded towards Steely Dan in the song by saying, uh, they stab it with their steely knives, but they just can't kill the beast. Uh, and it wasn't until, uh, their very best of album that they put it on the inside of their album saying that they did it there because Steely Dan actually made reference to them in one of his songs. Oh, okay. Um, that's fine. Yeah, we have not done Steely Dan yet. And, but hey, it's, but it's a future um, one. I'm assuming who, it's going to be. Anyone who heard uh, us doing our Get to Know Your Hosts heard that they're also one of my top five favorite bands of all time. So, oh, nice. uh, And it actually, you know what? That brings up something that I just have to talk about and get it out of the way really quickly and then I'll let you go. Uh, so in my research this week, I was just reading about each individual member of the band. And I found possibly the greatest kept secret in like rock okay, and roll yeah. history, which is in the early 90s, uh, Joe Walsh was in a band that toured Japan, never came to Europe or the United States, never put out any original music, but it was Joe Walsh and Jeff Baxter from Steely Dan and Doobie Brothers on guitar, Keith Emerson on keys, John Entwistle from The Who on bass, and uh, Simon Phillips of Toto on drums. And they just did a bunch of like Emerson, Lincoln Palmer, Who, Joe Walsh songs, Steely Dan songs. And you can find some of those videos on YouTube and they are phenomenal. What was the, uh, what? They're what, called the best. So I think cl- that's a fitting name. Yeah, it is. It is. A <laughs> yeah, I name. think it makes sense. Uh, but it's it's just such a shame that they never recorded any music or came in toward the United States. But anyway, I just had to to share that because we'll never be able to really do them on the podcast because there's not recorded music. But it's fantastic that they existed. Yeah, no, that's absolutely amazing. Um, so oh man, talking about Hotel California. <sighs> so the one thing I wanted to say was this as quoted by Don Henley, is a concept album. Yeah. 
uh, which is something that we hadn't talked about yet. So it's a concept album. Uh, basically, Don Henley was saying in a quote that um, I'm going to try to get the quote up. I had the quote up and then my entire uh internet shut down but here we're good uh are we good are we good here all right so i found the quote uh it says this is a concept album there's no way to hide it um blah 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 blah. it's our bicentennial year you know the country's 200 years old so we figured since we are the eagles and the eagle is our national symbol that we're obligated to make some kind of little bicentennial using california as a microcosm of the united states so yeah. that's pretty cool. So when you it listen is. to Hotel California, um, the album and the song, understand that they are talking about America. Which is why The Last Resort is so poignant. Exactly. And poignant is a great word for it. Um, but okay. yeah, that, that's pretty much my whole piece that I wanted to say about about Hotel California as an album. Uh, it's it's incredible, and it's sold really well, and it's really popular, and all of the songs are pretty much in that classic category. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know every song on the album. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so... Now I'm going to I'm going to bring us 31 years into the future rapidly like Excellent. like the drop of a hat. So uh now we're going to talk about uh Long Road Out of Eden. But wait. Okay. Because somewhere in between that time, the real 6 degrees of totem talks happens. Oh man. Okay. So uh Glenn Fry also happened to have an acting career uh in the meantime here and he was yeah. in a, a handful of movies and TV shows. He was in um Jerry Maguire. Okay. He was the uh, owner of the Arizona Cardinals football team. Maybe okay. a, a nod to the Winslow Arizona line. Oh, the old, the old but, NFC yeah. East Arizona Cardinals. Right. Um, uh, but <laughs> he was also uh, a guest star on the show Miami Vice. Okay. As was our season one uh, musician, James Brown. Wow. So, wow. Yeah, that is- <laughs> wow. Nick, I'm so impressed with you. I love you. Yeah. Yeah. And the studio audience was impressed as well. Yeah, I, I had to work hard for that one. So did I, actually. Yeah. That. <laughs> right. Yeah, Getting you had to that. press all those buttons. <laughs> Listen, it's tough. I got to remember where they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'm gonna. So yeah, we're in the future now. Um, we went from 1976 to 2007. Uh, drop of a hat. And the most important thing for me to say about this album is how well it holds up. Totally. And by it, I mean them as people, because we've done this a bunch of times, uh, you and I, Nick. Oh, yeah. And where it's been, we've had a, a band from the 60s or 70s or even the 80s sure. who has changed the face of the genre they, they play in in that time period. And then Either they take a hiatus or because we do the first, most popular, and last, we take a hiatus from them right. of 10, 20, 30, 40 years and then meet up with our friends again. Uh, and every single time, there has to be concessions made. Right. Um, this season in particular, we did ZZ Top and we did Jethro Tull. Right. Uh, we enjoyed both of them and we acknowledged that by the time they got to the later, you know, the 2000s to 2010s, there was nothing left in the tank vocally. Yeah. Absolutely not the case. They should have borrowed some of what Eagles had in the tank vocally. Oh, it's unbelievable. For their albums because they are maybe better. I mean, Glenn Fry in particular just sounds Yeah, maybe better. Incredible. I mean, at least as good, but I think Timothy B. Schmidt, who's on this album, is a better vocalist and just yeah. even brings the vocals of this of this group even higher on this album. Oh, totally. And I mean, there are a couple uh, uh, negatives uh, per se, like a little bit of lyrical kind of sandpapering where you where you're not quite as not I don't want to say edgy, but not quite as emotional as you normally could be. Okay. Um, on a few of the songs, and I mean that's also maybe part of the fact that it's a double. So yeah, it's, it's a because I do think album. there are really 
I mean, it's good an hour lyrical and a half. standouts here. Yeah, yeah, it is. Long. It is quite. I mean, we're talking like twenty tracks. Yeah, exactly twenty. Um, but I don't want to get into the specific songs. I'm going to let you guys take care of that. Sure. What I want to talk about is the marketing for this album. So it's really interesting when you have a band like Eagles, whose last studio album uh, came out like twenty seven years ago, and then they their last album at all was a live album, Hell Freezes Over, which came right. out in nineteen ninety four, and it had some some fresh new tracks on it. Yeah. As well. There is a, like a clamoring for new material. Yeah. And Eagles could have absolutely really hyped this album and tried to, to maximize the profit on it by, you know, doing all these like a press tour and a real tour and all this stuff. And they didn't. They did, you know, a couple interviews talking about their new music coming out, which in turn generated the hype itself. And then they released it as a Walmart exclusive. Um, they very accurately, I would say, figured out that their fan base at this point were the kind of people who just went and shopped at Walmart. And the album went seven times platinum, so I yeah. guess they were right. I mean, to go seven times platinum in 2007 at all is a major feat. But yeah. to do it in that way is just mind-boggling. I could not agree more. Uh, so that was my whole piece. I just thought that was such an interesting little factoid that I didn't want to take up time talking about this specific song because I loved this as much as I loved the other albums, yeah. and that's what I wanted to say. All right, Ed, I'll let you go. Yeah, uh, so this album, out of the, all three of them, I would say is probably my least favorite, um, and it's nothing against them. I just felt like their other albums were so strong. Um, but, Pat, like you said, their harmonies are still still front and center here. Their musicianship, um, everything is really well done. And I think personally, it's just because of the analog recording on the original yeah. albums, and it just it just has that that aura around the album. Yeah. No, totally. To. I will say sometimes the digital recordings, because the harmonies and stuff are so tight. They almost, almost sound it almost sounds fake, and I know it's not. No, definitely not. Uh, so, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Live, so. Yeah. Um, so, I, not that I didn't like the album, um, I just thought out of all three, it was just kind of like the bottom of the three for me. And and some of the songs on there kind of had that like feel where if you were at like a bar and you just saw like some older musicians up on a stage jamming together playing, and you were just kind. <laughs> And you just kind of saw them up on stage playing, and it wasn't necessarily like your cup of tea, but you appreciated the level of musicianship that you were seeing okay. at that time. Yeah, right. absolutely. I get what you're coming I get from. Uh, I'll go through this pretty quickly. Uh, so, one, I had this album in 2007. I remember when it came out. I remember how exciting. You went exciting. to Walmart? Uh, well, I was 15, so I didn't go driving places by myself because I didn't have a driver's license. So someone in my family... Uh, somehow got into a Walmart or got someone to go buy <laughs> it Probably the them. door. Um, <laughs> I would assume the door. Yeah. And then when Nick got yeah, the album, like he the, broke it. Like <laughs> the ultimate catch-22 in my family <laughs> to not get the Eagles album and to also enter a Walmart. Like they're, It's like the unstoppable force has Come on, met man. Shout out object. to Walmart and the Waltons. I used to work there, which is why I hate it. Yeah, okay, good. Um, so I saw them on this, on this tour as well. It was one of two times that I, I've seen the Eagles. And I will never forget that... Uh, uh, Joe Walsh, who is known for having a pretty crazy stage persona and yeah. being a wacky guy and having fun, uh, he puts on a helmet cam that shows everybody out in the audience while he's jamming up there. And okay. I'm, you know, like 15, this album had just come out. I'm there with my family, like my whole family, aunts and uncles, cousins. We all went to see the Eagles together. We oh, what excited. a nice, wholesome event. Yeah. And uh, Joe Walsh is scanning the front row. 
And there's a woman who's probably, you know, in her 50s, maybe. She's a, you know, a larger person. And as soon as that camera hits her, off goes the top. And then it was a uh, and, and giant screen behind the Eagles where all of that was visible to everyone in the entire stadium. And that was awkward, weird. Uh, I remembered. I will never forget it. It was a concert experience it was that I will never unforgettable. forget. It was unforgettable. Exactly. The first uh, pair of boobs. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, but this album is uh, really great. Uh, is that why you like the Eagles so much? I liked them before that. Yeah, it maybe. Was not, it, it was not the ideal first situation. Uh, but Surrounded by family? Yeah, yeah probably this not. This woman, like, four times my age. Uh, oh, anyway. come on. And the six degrees of separation. Oh. That is the first time Nick yeah. right. met his uh, girlfriend's so anyway. second aunt. Oh, my God. So, anyway... Uh, oh I actually probably like this album a little bit more than the first one, although in all of my research, I was reading a bunch of like every classic rock website and publication and how they list and rank the Eagles albums. What's kind of interesting is that almost all of them have Long Road Out of Eden and Eagles in their bottom three, give or take. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, because there's all the other albums are so strong between um, yeah, Desperado. Yeah, it's tough to rank. And, yeah, when yeah. you when you uh, have a catalog when you have a catalog like they do. Yeah, because all yeah. seven of their studio albums are really phenomenal from front to back. Uh, there's not an Eagle song I don't like that I can think of, and I'm pretty sure I've heard them all. Uh, but I would say No More Walks in the Wood, one of the best harmonic songs ever. There's barely any guitar in yeah. it. It's very much two minutes of them carrying a very interesting set of melodies together. And all their unique voices really blend perfectly. Um, and that's another one where I thought that they were really on point lyrically, uh, as well as Waiting in the Weeds from yeah, the first for sure. was another really There's great lyrical There's definitely song. moments. When I said about the sandpapering, that was not a, a full every single track is like sure. that. Uh, there are definitely still moments where they absolutely hit the nail on the yeah, head. definitely. Uh, lyrically. Um a lot of this is also, it was 2007, a lot of these songs and lyrics are a reaction to the Bush administration and the war in Iraq. Yeah. And I think that becomes more and more clear as it goes on. Um, I Dreamed There Was No War was the great instrumental piece that Glenn Fry wrote for this too. Yeah. And uh, I would say It's Your World Now, which is the very last track on the record, was very much they knew that this was almost definitely going to be the last Eagles record yeah. ever. Uh, and that was a perfect kind of passing of the torch. Let's let, you know, a band like the Tedeschi Trucks Band. It's time for them to kind of take nah, over. Nah, man, and a band their like Low Totem. Well, it's our world now. Yeah, sure. But you see, like, just because stylistically in that vein, like, I it's guess. time for them to take over. Nick, and... we got to grab the bull by the horns here. They wrote it about us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They wrote it about Come us. Come on. Anyway, uh, I just thought it was a great, great No, I, I, I agree totally. And we're going to grade them. Sure. So uh, I'm going to be very frank. Cultural Impact, they should get a 9.9. They're one of the highest selling you know, bands I was, and most influential bands in the history of music. I was thinking more like a two or a three. So. I'll take a one. Okay, a one I, it is. See, I would, I would be fine actually bumping the nine nine up to a ten because they are a band up there. I mean, Nick, you alluded to it earlier. They have a statue in Winslow, Arizona right. of mean, Glenn Fry. Yeah. That pretty much lets you know that you've made it. <laughs> Um, You've made it in Winslow, Arizona. Yeah. If you can make um, it there, you can make it anywhere. Uh, yeah, I, so I get where you're coming from with the 10. I I mean, my whole point that I wanted to make is, uh, you know, I agree with you, Nick, about giving them a, like a 9-9. Nine, nine. Okay. 
because when you get to that 10 range, you're comparing every other 10. Yeah. Well, you know, once you get there, so you're comparing Eagles to the Beatles and to, you know, the cultural impact of Eagles versus, like, the cultural impact of the Beatles or Elton John or even, you know, Buddy Holiday's up there, too. Like, Right, and that's more about transcending genre and changing the face of music right. forever. In and while do. they sold incredibly well... And, and famous, are yeah. very impactful to the the cultural yeah. zeitgeist of the world. Th- I don't think they necessarily fully changed the world, which is why I was at a nine point nine. And I 10. agree with you. Yeah, they would be like if we at the end in twenty years and we've gotten this point, they would probably be like the highest nine point nine that we'll hit if we yeah, hit any other. Can one. we sure. meet in the middle um, and go nine nine five? I don't uh, know. If so the that will show up in our statistics, but, but we'll, we'll give you there. a nine nine four. Yes. So then it still rounds down to a nine. Exactly. Uh, so breadth of work. So this is an interesting one because there are only seven studio albums, one being a double, and there was other music released on right. Live albums. So this is where. This is where our precedent is tested. Yeah. Because we never talk about either live albums or compilation albums when we do this. We stick to studio. Right. However, when you have Eagles and their two compilations, their two greatest hits albums, uh, one more than the other, but they both have gone diamond. Right. And Hell Freezes Over was nine times platinum. Right. So, and... You know, their first one, Eagles Greatest Hits from 1971 to 1975, is like one of the highest selling albums in the history of music. Depending on your source, like uh, Business Insider actually put out a list of these towards the end of 2020, uh, and they did have that album ranked as the number one highest selling of all time. So it just depends on your source. Yeah, so it's it's like in between 38 million and 44 million. Unbelievable. Um, and it was also one of their six straight albums that they put out that hit number one. Yeah. Four of them being one of these nights, Hotel California, The Long Run, Long Road Out of Eden, uh, The Best Of That You Mentioned, and Hell Freezes Over. Yeah, I they mean, let's... All their- I feel like it's... I feel like something that we need to like kind of mention here is like... To kind of help people grasp these numbers, so we're talking, we're talking thirty-eight million. Yeah. Okay. How many episodes back, if we combine the full discography of artists, on, oh do you think God. we'd have to go back to get there? We'd have to add together almost everybody from this season. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then like, maybe it's go close. Back in season one, yeah. It's that's insane wild. how like I think we get there in I think we might get there in the first episode like of this season if yeah, we add everything up right, because of ZZ. Right, and, uh, and Jethro Tull and, and Jethro, all the, yeah. but it's hard to to really uh, oversell how crazy. It's just hard to are. quantify to people. Once you get yeah. into that million range, it's like, oh, those aren't real numbers. Yeah, they are. They are, and this is just you know. But there's only seven albums, right? Uh, so and they're all how do we balance from, this out? I mean, I the fact that they're all phenomenal from front to back. One of them was a double album, so it's almost like getting an extra in there. And yeah. you're talking about nearly unprecedented sales numbers. I mean, part of what yeah. brings the Beatles' twelve albums up to a ten, besides the fact that they're you know like the strongest twelve albums that any band could piece together is the fact that they sold like 600 million records like no one is even close as a second to them right. in sales of all well, elvis yeah i true but he's i mean like he's still close. like 100 million behind him or something yes yeah, that's pretty close yeah i mean 100 million records is more than almost any artist will ever sell but anyway uh, i'm gonna say 9.3 you know what i can see a 9.3 here i can i can go with it yeah we're not taking them to the tip top because of no. just the numbers aren't quite there but quality and, and sales yeah through the roof uh instrumental talent i'm pretty close to that number 
Okay. I'm pretty close to that number with instrumental talent just because, one, we've mentioned they're probably like the number one band on the Mount Rushmore of right. uh, vocals. So I'm a little under. Uh, and because, yes, vocally, totally. Yeah. Uh, they suffer from two problems, though. And the one that I wanted to highlight is like the kind of deep purple effect. When mm-hmm. you say a 9.3 and they've had multiple different kind of lineups, everybody yeah. in that lineup, in those lineups, right. has to be that level. It's a much lesser extent than Deep Purple because right. only, you know, two other guys or three other guys. But is everybody who's been in Eagles a 9.3? Yeah, I think sure. part, I think I thinking about it is the one that kind of stands out to me especially is Don Henley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just because vocally he is up there. He's phenomenal. But on the drums, he's a He's good solid. drummer. Yeah, right. He does he does what he needs to do, but it's he's right. never and he's been also yeah. a solid piano player. Yeah. And uh, he's just never been featured. Is, yeah. Like the drums have never been no. like a feature of the Eagles. I totally yeah. agree with that point. So I, I see say, that bring it down a That hair. does bring it down a little bit. Yeah. And then one thing that, that we have to keep in mind too is that like everybody, including Fry and Walsh, like they all play several instruments too. Yeah. They all play several instruments right. well. And then when you're talking about Joe Walsh and Don, and, uh, Don Felder, we're talking about great guitarists, really great guitarists. Yeah, I mean, and listen, when I say I'm a little bit lower, I'm at like a nine. Like a nine. Okay, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, songwriting talent. I also think they are very good crafters of songs. Yes. Um, uh-huh. I think it also plays into the fact how we said earlier with that they learned from Jackson Brown. That yeah. helps, um, yeah. Who's, who's phenomenal. Yes, yeah. who's, one, who's up Jackson. there as well. Um, I would I would put them at in songwriting, I would put them at like an eight seven. Wow. Okay. I would say eight seven just because so, a lot of their songs, I mean, just the just the lyrics and how they flow together and like um in Hotel California you talk about how like you there's always so much behind it. There's so much yeah. controversy of no, it means this, it means that, but in reality, like you said, it's the microcosm of like California when you sure. really and dive well, into well, that it. part will kinda of hit more on poetic. Okay. Um uh, but that is so uh, Instrumental is is where it is, and and poetic is yeah. See, so my whole thing with songwriting for them is I feel like they are very very talented. Yes, where they are, and they're very talented performers. Totally. But I don't necessarily know how tip 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 top the songwriting is. Uh, I do think that. I mean, there are parts. Don't get yeah, me wrong. There are say... parts where it's absolutely phenomenal, and I think they have flashes of brilliance. And I think they also have a lot of a lot of albums or albums, a lot of songs where they pull it back a little bit. So yeah. I mean, we're 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 still talking significantly above average. Yeah, here. I agree. So one, what I just wanted to highlight is they're definitely one of those bands where every time you go back and give the songs a close listen you will hear one other part that they snuck in there. Okay. They're uh, really brilliant at putting in like several extra guitar or piano tracks Mm -hmm. that you maybe don't even notice are there at first that really color uh, the the richness of the piece as a whole. Sure. And so that was one thing for me as someone who knew all these songs front to back but was now doing a closer listen this week. It was really catching all those little lines and licks that they had maybe a little bit back in the mix that you okay. don't notice right away when you're just kind of singing along and having fun that really fill out the piece as a whole that I thought were you know really interesting and, and showed that they were crafting all of their songs carefully. So numerically, where are we talking? So numerically, I'm more like an eight, maybe. Um, okay. Because here's what they're missing. I mean, one, they wrote songs, that, tons and tons of hit songs. They crafted them very carefully. Uh, they do harmony better than anybody. 
Um, yeah. And that has to be taken into account here. The only place where they fall back for me is like what we talked about in the Jethro Tull episode, where they basically went out there and tried and mastered every genre of music uh, of, amongst all their albums. Yeah. Whereas the Eagles, there is variation and there are experiments. But less. But much less so yeah. than a band like the Beatles or Jethro yeah. Tull. They're not exploring every single musical space. So and that's what would require like a ten level yeah. for me, Nick. Yeah. So you real quick, we didn't touch on this at all throughout the entire Eagles part, but you mentioned harmonies, yeah. Uh, and it's particularly because it's only on their live album, uh, and I don't believe they wrote the song, but uh, Seven, Seven Bridges, Bridges Road, Road is oh yeah it's one of my favorite songs ever. It, uh, the harmonies that they do on that, oh yeah, and I mean there's videos. Each verse changes the harmony yeah. slightly too. They don't stay stagnant yeah. and. The, the videos of them just even warming up with it backstage and you can see how tight they are yeah yeah in their harmonies and and masterful of their their voice right, their exactly. instrument um i think that take that into account as well right i mean that's, yeah that's i can part is why they have to be i can see you me. with an eight i can okay. i can go an eight with them uh that's kind of where i was thinking a little bit higher but i'll right. give it to you Okay. Um. Were you were saying you were a little bit higher on songwriting? No, I'm saying I was. Oh, you're okay. a little bit higher than I gotcha. was, but I'm gonna go you, up to okay, where you gotcha. are. Uh, well, where are you on poetic? Because this is one that where they definitely grew for me on the yes. deeper listen as well. So the more I listened to them, and the more I got to hear the deeper kind of lyrical meanings. Uh, so they have the you think you have the surface level songs, right? Of course. But then if you actually dive into them and listen to what they're saying when they're not saying stuff, yeah. It creates a whole other moment. And songs like that where, you know, there are songs where you can listen to it ten times in a row and you've heard that song the same time ten times in a row, the same thing. That's not necessarily the case with a lot of the songs by them, Mm -hmm. by Eagles, because they have, like, different metaphors, different meanings behind things, different themes that are playing, you know. They're word painting at times. It creates a a process in you where you actively want to listen to the music. Oh, yeah. It's a lot harder to have that music, you know, play and just be kind of muzak. Yeah. You know, you find yourself, you know, intonating with that, sound and with those meanings behind the words sure. uh they're not in the elite i agree they're not in like you know they're not in the elite that we've talked about agreed but they're you know in that b category yeah, for me they're in the very good category yeah so they're i mean i'm category. i'm in the probably the high seven high sevens is what i was thinking as well yeah so i my thought when i wrote it down was i wrote a 7.7 7 down that's literally what i just typed into the spreadsheet wow so, so I, think I mean i think we're good that must prove that we're doing something right right Okay, that brings us to X Factor, and I think there's something here. Uh, yeah. I mean, one, we've mentioned, depending on your source, they may have put out the highest-selling album in the history of Mankind. Yes, I I agree. That's got to be something. Um, um, also, I mean, they're the first they're the first band that we've done um, besides the Beatles, I think, mm-hmm. that has multiple diamond albums. Yeah, yeah, several diamond albums. Yeah. I think that maybe adds in, too. And then the other thing that I would consider, too, here is the Eagles are almost synonymous with the band hatred and the breakup and the feuding. Yeah, and like, they are very Even with the Beatles with being known for, like, they weren't getting along by the end, they're not known necessarily for, like, the visceral hatred that people kind of yeah. associate with the eagles even though that that stuff is definitely not there yeah right? I, mean, I mean at least not anymore i think it, yeah. it kind of touches on it the fact that you they were only together for that like short period of time right. where they only did so so what seven albums we said yeah and six of them in the and first then, section of time and then they had that big breakup and it was for 
what I think I think between Hotel California when they broke up was 14 years before they kind of like talked again. Yeah, so um, it was right. it was 80 when the long run came out, and then 94 when okay. Hall is over. So I'm gonna throw out a number. Okay, it's more of an emotional feeling. Go for uh, it. 1.5. Really? Uh, because here's the thing: we we give people these high X factor numbers all the time. Sure. Or none at all. Yeah. And I feel like there are a lot of times when we can give them, there's more than a half a point here, but I Definitely. don't think there's the same amount as, I don't think the amount of records they've sold has the same number of X Factor points as the Leonard Skinner crash. Which, right. So, but I do think the fact that, it would be one thing if we were just talking about high record sales, but I think the fact that we are discussing what is at least according to many sources, literally the highest selling record in humankind. And, and I, I agree. that is worth and I mean, maybe like two and a half instead of yeah, one. I mean, the phenomena of it as well. I mean, they didn't put out an album for how, lo- how long it was, 31 years since like Hotel California, and they yeah. come back out. And like you said, they did no I, marketing. I, mean, I, I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. I just, I don't, I feel like sometimes we fall into this trap on X Factor where it almost becomes like cultural impact plus. Yes, that, and that I is definitely true. I don't want to do that if we can help it. I feel like the the highest selling, potential highest selling album of all time is some points. And yeah. I feel like the visceral hatred and explosion is some points. And then the multi-diamond. And then the multi-diamond is some points. To me, and that's got to be two them, and a half, not one and a half. Because that's like I, a half a Maybe we meet each. at two. Okay, all right. Maybe we just meet it at I'll two. I'll get then. talked down to that. And I'll get talked up to that. All right, so then that's it. We've got scores. We, that's, we've got scores. Okay, and the winner is Pavement. Right. Uh, so <laughs> the loser this week, I will mention first, uh, our highest scoring loser of an episode ever in Totem Talks history. Wow. Yeah, uh, and it is Fallout Boy with a 30.1. Oh, my God. We have never had. <laughs> that's the lowest score. That's the lowest score. Wow. It's I, it's rare that we get fans even into the 30s. Yeah. Like, you have to work hard to get into the 30s for us. Uh, and then the winner of the episode. Uh, oh, oh, hold on. I have to play a little. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm sure everybody will be shocked to find out that uh, Eagles won the episode. Yeah. Eagles won the episode uh, with a 45.9 and have immediately jettisoned they their did way it. up uh, into a top three artist for us all time. So we've only had one other artist hit 40s. Yeah. Um we well we, we obviously had um two fifties. Two fifties. Um who, but, who did you have for fifties and forties? Uh, Beatles, Elton John, and then James Taylor like just was got in the forties. He was like right. a forty. The fact that Eagles today have scored more points than the Philadelphia Eagles have scored all year yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> is Easy. Easy. magnificent. Yeah. Uh which of course means Tedeschi Trucks was in the middle, by the way. Yeah, with second a thirty point six. So there was Ooh, only so a half close. point separating yeah, fall them with Fallout Boy. But what a strong episode. It's got to be yeah. our highest scoring overall episode uh, so of all time. So I said this to you, and I stand by it here and now. This is the absolute best vocal episode we have oh, ever yeah. had on the show. Absolutely. Um, I mean, everybody was a killer. Yeah, every single vocal was so impressive. Uh, the fact that Fall Out Boy was the weakest vocal yeah. is is phenomenal. because. Crazy. Almost every other episode, you know, they would be the highest vocal. Yeah. Fallout Boy could have won a lot of episodes that oh, we've done. Could have won a ton. Time. I wish we did them on season one, episode twelve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's going to wrap up a very long episode of Totem Talks yes, today. But you we're guys, so glad that we uh, got our our guest. Ed. Yeah, we're so glad hey, we had you on here, buddy. Um, we're uh, 
we're we're glad for you guys for listening through uh your commute to work and then from work and then probably to, to work, work the next day. Uh we're proud of you for that. <laughs> yeah, and I skipped like half of my Eagles fans. No, I know. Same. I skipped over a bunch of stuff too. We could honestly talk for six hours. Yeah. You could do an entire episode on the Eagles. Oh, Eagles. exactly. <laughs> we probably could have, a non linear. But uh <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that's going to wrap us up. I, I gave our blurb in the beginning. If you like what you're seeing, you know, follow us on our social medias, low underscore totem, you know, all that stuff. Uh, Ed, uh, as a thank you for, for coming on to our show, why don't you tell our, our audience where they can find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Ed Packer, all those. If you are interested in selling or buying a house, shoot me an email at edpackerrealestate at gmail.com. Uh, I'll get back to you within... 20 minutes uh, we or can go less. from there or your next house is free <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it, uh, a not, one. Nick is in no way affiliated with Ed and his real t- realtor business so he uh, can make no <laughs> guarantees to that we have a buy one get one 50% yeah. off sale right now oh well okay well Ed said it now <laughs> yeah. yeah you gotta but yeah, if you, that bad you gotta lie in it but uh if you're interested, <laughs> if you're uh, interested in buying or selling your house yeah give me uh information on what Solomon Realty in Ben Salem Pennsylvania Cool, man. Well, uh, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Yes, and stick with us for next week, please. Yeah. We will be looking at Sublime. Wow. Okay. Look at that. uh, But most importantly, after all that and your very long listening, have a great day. Mm